Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 99 from an enchanted forest here in 2019. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phyllis Gove. And with us today to talk about the uh, the play in which the enchanted forest is prominent. prominent is Joanna Robinson. She writes for Vanity Fair. She also hosts Little Goldman Podcast and Still Watching and is great at all of those things. Thank you for coming on, Joanna. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and thanking thank you for letting me pick uh, a Shakespeare film. Uh, now my parents will feel like my English degree means something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I know what you mean. <laughs> it's it's funny, you know. I uh, Kenny and I talked a little bit about this off mic uh, earlier today about how I kind of went into this with sort of no expectations. I saw the film in 99. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe I saw it on a date. It's a good date movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't leave a really much of an impression on me in 99, if I'm being completely honest. Like, it, I enjoyed it, but I loved it watching it last night. I was really taken with this movie. As did I. Oh, good. Yes. I, I mean, you're going to watch this anyway, right? I didn't yeah, like no, absolutely. We're going to watch every movie from 1999 and yeah. most TV shows, <laughs> most TV shows. Yeah. Some, some random sporting events. <laughs> I'm not even tell kidding. Us, some music us, videos. This is, a, this is a nuts project that you're doing. When you sent me like all the options, I was like, I'm sorry. How are there enough hours in the day for you to tackle all of this? But uh, 
for thank going. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you for, for, <laughs> for coming on. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, we've been going strong now, almost two years. It'll be two years in November. Yeah. I mean, Midsummer's, Midsummer Night's Dream is it's a real movie that was in the theaters. <laughs> with a real cast. With a real cast. Like, we're, I mean, yeah. we're, we're talking about doing like HBO movies. Oh, yeah. oh uh, wow. All right. We just did it. Uh, we just did a Britney Spears episode. We did. So you know we're doing we're 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 really trying to do uh, we're trying to mine ninety nine for all that it's worth and this is a movie that um, I don't really think it got a lot of love in ninety nine um, it you know it 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 made a little bit of money not really um, and the critics didn't like it which I'm sort of surprised they do you have love any it. any theories on why um I, I think. It's interesting, like, to think about this in the context of of the sort of I don't know renaissance of Shakespeare adaptations. There was an era, right, in the late '90s, early aughts, or or maybe all of the '90s, um, where there was a lot. There were a lot of Shakespeare adaptations. There were a lot of Jane Austen adaptations. Like these were the two things. And then, like, I think you know whatever else Merchant Ivory wanted to do, some E.M. Forster, you know. So there was just like yeah, a right. this was like a thing that people did in the '90s. It was like a very highbrow Oscar Beatty. Sort of thing, and um, Midsummer is so like weird and fun, yeah. and I think you know I, I'm I'm a little mixed on this adaptation. To be honest with you, there's stuff I love and stuff that I don't love, but um, so I understand the mixed reviews. But I think it's just it's a it's a hard one to nail because you're not going to go for like a super serious thing, right? And if the reviewer doesn't feel like you nailed the whimsy, then you're in trouble. And whimsy is a hard thing to nail, I think. So. You no, know, I would I would agree with all of that. I, I think it's you know it's if I'm being honest, it's one of my favorite of Shakespeare's plays, and I, I think it's because he doesn't really play that much in the supernatural, mm-hmm. um, and or, or whimsy for that matter. I mean, I guess some of his lighter ones perhaps go there, but this this movie really kind of embraces like magic, and and it's really lovely. I don't know. I, I can't really. I, I remember we read this in eighth grade. Sure. This is everybody's first Shakespeare play. Yep. Um, it's the first Shakespeare play you read, the first one you yeah. see, the first one you perform. Um, and I remember reading in eighth grade and our teacher telling us that people in Shakespeare's time were as certain that fairies existed as we are that germs existed. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was so insulted by that. And I was like kind of kid who would fight back. And I was like, I was like shocking. Yeah, I know. I'm like, but, but we have but we have microscopes. Like we, we can see these things. Like we can't see fairies. We can't see. She's like, that's not the way. You're wrong. You're you're a child. Shut up. I have a whole right curriculum I need, and part of it is that you have to understand that that they that. So what I'm basically positing, Phil, is like it's not that crazy back then. Was it supernatural? Right, right, right. Like like is this like? But he didn't do it that much. I guess is sort of what I'm getting at. Supernatural. Yeah, he has, he has like you know. There's like uh, ghosts. ghosts in Hamlet, yeah, witch, witches in Macbeth. That's true. Um, this I is me proving true. that I study Shakespeare. There's the Tempest, which has Tempest like was you know, the one I, those yeah. are the three I had. To. <laughs> right. Your parents will be so proud, Joanna. <laughs> thank you. They thank you. Um, yeah, I I read. Okay, I remember being really young, and I like I can't remember quite how young, but like definitely like at least third grade, if not earlier, is when we tried to do some of a Midsummer Night's Dream in class. And Where I remember this. Uh, in Northern California, the Bay okay. Area. Okay. I went to Montes- Montessori school too. So like, I don't know. If so what, one of you, one of the children chose to do it, right? <laughs> and then the teachers were like, I guess we got to do it. <laughs> But this 
this is what I remember is like I I my entire life, believe it or not, despite the fact that I shout into a microphone a lot of my time, um, I I was pretty shy, and even though I was into theater, um, I was a pretty shy kid. But I remember in class, like we. Because we had read some of it at home as well. And I got into class and we were going to read some of it. And I like insisted on being to Tanya because I knew she had the most lines. <laughs> and they let me do it too. So, um, and that that's not how I was for the rest of my theater career. <laughs> um, but that's definitely how I was. My first Shakespeare in class to Tanya nailed it fairy queen uh thank you very much so i mean it's not even the best part of the play like if i were to do it who who would you guys want to be if you were to do a production of midsummer great question it's a very good question i mean i think i'm probably going with puck you yeah um i (laughs) me (laughs) you i would have been peter quince just i'm kidding um i never phil and i were talking about this a little before i've always kind of bottom um and uh he was always you know really no pen, pun intended made to look like an ass and i i hate that characterization i hate the buffoon i hate the i hate a buffoon having yeah i hate having a, a buffoon having such an outsized role um in something like this which you know is a comedy but is also kind of a romance uh i loved kevin klein's um, so goodness uh, interpretation of the character that I might want to be bottom in the Kevin Klein mold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I th- if, if, yes, if I could be imbued with his talent, that's sure. who I'd like to be. I think I said, I mean, I think the reason I like Puck as much as I do is because I really like Dead Poets Society. And mm-hmm. I always think of this play and Dead Poets Society. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I guess that's sort of where my where my head goes a little bit. Uh, I know, oh. right? It's the saddest. It's so good. <laughs> My apologies, but it's—I mean—he's so good in it. Uh, um, yes. Yeah, it's—I I love that movie as much as that movie's been sort of like ripped off a million times since. It's a great movie. It's so good. Um, and 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 Tucci's great in this role, and like this mm-hmm. cast is just killer. Like, I, you know, the poster I think has as many of their faces as they could cram <laughs> yes. onto the poster, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as they were like, see our cast, but like uh, I had even I had forgot even I had forgotten <laughs> like some of the you know I forgot that Roger Reese was in here. I forgot yeah. that Bill Bill Earn was in yeah. here. I forgot that Sam Rockwell was in here, yeah. even though like he's got such a killer part. And um, I was as the credits were rolling as I was watching, I was like. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Um, it's a really yeah. stacked cast. I yeah. didn't know any of this <laughs> I, going in. You didn't know any of this cast. Well, I mean, I knew who they. No, I mean, you didn't know that I, they were in this. No, movie. you know, I knew Kevin Klein and Michelle Pfeiffer, um, and maybe Rupert Everett. I, I, this movie made yeah. no impression on me in 1999, and subsequently yeah. has continued to make no impression on me until last night when I watched it. So um, I guess I knew like the basics of who was – I didn't know Christian Bale was in the cast. I didn't know Dominic West was in the cast. I didn't know – Frio, Frio, Flockhart. Calista Flockhart yeah. I might have known. But um, but yeah, I was uh, – it was, it, was, it, was, it was such a delight. It was like a dinner party where all your best friends <laughs> kept coming over. You're like Bernard you Hills too? here? <laughs> Every, I mean it's really Max, crazy. Right? The thing too yeah. is I forgot that Sam Rockwell was in it for sure. I mean when he mm-hmm. pops up and really doesn't – his role doesn't kick in until the play, really. At the right. End. Sure. Right. Um, and I just was like, oh, I mean, they're kind of wasting Sam Rockwell. And then, of course, he has, you know, he's amazing in the play at the end. He also has an amazing 99 because he's in Galaxy Quest in 99 as well. Mm, That's right. the other thing I loved about this interpretation. Mm. I love the Pyramus and Thisbe, which I think is always yeah. played 
for laughs and laughs. And they actually, this was actually adapted by someone who understands that at the same moment, Romeo, uh, Shakespeare is writing Romeo and Juliet and this play. And the power of that in a world where Romeo and Juliet doesn't exist is really, uh, it it was powerful to me. It actually like, it it kind of put a a bow on this entire production adaptation in a way I didn't expect. So I think that also taps in a little bit to what we were talking, Kenny and I were talking a little earlier about. Um, So apparently Kevin Klein pushed back on being cast as bottom. He wanted to be Oberon. No, okay. (laughs) Boring. And I think that that informs his performance of Bottom. He he sort of injects this gravity into it, and it makes the sort of certainly the the play at the end and and his sort of final moment when he's when he sees the fairies. There's just a a, a, an inward looking character there. Like Bottom is is far more sort of existential in this. Because of that gravity that I think Kevin Klein brings to it, there's a real sort of, you know, uh, spectrum of his performance in it. It's really special. And there are parts of that that I do like, but there are parts that I don't like. Okay, so what's interesting always about watching um, a filmed adaptation of a, let's say, yeah, like specifically Shakespeare, is the way in which the filmmaker, or even if you're watching like a, you know, particularly creative stage performance the way in which they try to find spaces in between the dialogue to uh you know tweak your interpretation around whether whether it is like performance like what sam rockwell does with this beat or if it's like silent moments of Mm -hmm. comedy or or tragedy that that inform um the play and so there are things that i like that kevin klein does and then there are things that i don't (laughs) like like um i don't think we need to give bottom like a disapproving wife that's something that i just don't think you Mm -hmm. need and it and it gives his like you know, affair with Titania, this extra layer of, uh, I don't know. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's unnecessary to I me. Um, he was a she's not, in the, she's not in the play, right? The wife? No. I mean, they're just sort of like, <laughs> his, his wife doesn't understand him. He's so frustrated. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so, yeah. like, I think, I think giving him, making him more than just a buffoon, I agree with you guys, is it's necessary. I love Kevin Klein. I, yeah. I would, you know, uh, watching me the phone book, but I, I think that little silent bit was like I was like, all right, we get it. They I poured th- wine on him. He's a tragic figure. All right. I also feel like Kenny and I. I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I'm still sort of licking my wounds from Wild Wild West, so which was also in '99. Yeah. Mm. So I was just happy to see Kevin Klein doing something that I liked. Yeah. So there's that. There's that. <laughs> there's, there's that. that. I, I did. Layer. I watched that last year, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. A friend of mine was leaving the state, <laughs> and she requested a going away party. Oh, God. And she said, please do it in the theme of my favorite film, which is Wild Wild West. And I was like, <laughs> excuse me? Your friend sounds pretty um, cool, to be honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I think that she just, like, watched it at the right age and just, like, loved it as a kid or something like that. So we had this, like... <laughs> sort of steampunky cowboy there was like a a spider dangling from the ceiling sort of like whole thing for her well and then we showed the film the film and uh and i was like wow this is very bad so um, generous calling it a film but i'm surprised (laughs) i'm I'm a little surprised you'd never seen it before joanna oh i mean i saw it in 99 99, i just like i just like blocked it (laughs) 
it was our second film we did. So it was. We did oh. Eyes Wide Shut into Wild Wild West, as you do. Ooh, that's a plunge. <laughs> and we were very harsh on it because I think yeah. we were we were kind of trying to show everyone we're serious. Yeah, sure, you know, sure. we're gonna we're gonna yeah yeah we're we're really gonna savage this film. It was really easy. I, to I do, think though. we're a little. I, I think we've softened a little bit. Like because well, we've seen, seen worse 90 films. other horrible films, <laughs> we never bring it up as the worst film of '99 by a no. long shot. No, that's. I mean, and that's how. Um, <laughs> that's how I feel compared to my '99 self because I think my '99 self was pretty insufferable. I was. Uh, is this where I tell you? Yes, like, please, please. Where I yes, was? great. Yeah. I was 17 sure, and I was a freshman in college and this came out the end of September. So I was just like three weeks into college and like that, like my art term started late. So maybe even like two weeks into college, one week, I don't know. It was very, very fresh. And I somehow got like half my dorm to go with me to this movie. I remember oh, wow. they all went with me and I know that it was my idea. Um, and I don't know. <laughs> I don't to this day I could not tell you how I pulled this off. Um, but I got a bunch of like eighteen year old college kids to go see a Midsummer Night's Dream with me. They made oh, wow. fun of me a lot because they thought it was like really porny. And um it is a little, you know, it is a little porny. It's a little porny. Um <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> and they called it like a midsummer night's cream and stuff like that. Like that's, uh, that's well. I mean we were we were, <laughs> we were we were teenagers, so what are you gonna do? Sure, but, sure. Um, yeah. But I remember being like, well, the text and like blah, 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 just oh. like in a really probably pretty terrible way. Um, what would have made now, your parents proud? Yeah. Yeah. Real proud. <laughs> watching it, watching it now, I was like, I was like, this is a fun time at the movies. I'm, I'm, I feel very like relaxed about it. So it, it really um, is. Yeah. It is. Were there other movies in 99 or TV shows that were, that really hit you back then? Ah, uh, that's a big <laughs> question. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it is, but I mean, I mean we, uh, Magnolia. Certainly... I think I, I think I, I think I had my first major breakup right around Magnolia when Magnolia came Oof. out, and I listened to that Amy Mann soundtrack like <laughs> nonstop. Like yeah. that is the best soundtrack to break up to. I tell you what, that I agree. Um, <clears throat> talented Mr. Ripley, mm-hmm. uh, great. Um, these Election. are all very like boring things. No, no, no. I mean, sure. yeah. Uh, while we're on the Shakespeare thing, ten things I hate about you. Why not? Um, sure. But yeah, I, I, but but actually, what's what's true about um, my freshman year of college? I mean, I have a lot of fond memories of that, like that end of senior year, summer after senior year, because my friends in high school were huge movie fans. So we saw a movie every like multiple movies every weekend of that summer because we were just like you know like and there was something great every weekend you know it's like the matrix or like whatever or you star know. wars uh, and then you had phantom menace <laughs> we we slept outside overnight oh, wow. to go see phantom menace we cut school um for my senior year to go too. see phantom menace and then we got to school and we found out that like because we went in like at noon or whatever after we had been grievously disappointed and um <laughs> we, we got to school and our teacher like two of my english teachers had also gone to see it that morning and then we just like so dunked on jar jar all day and it was great um <laughs> but, but um but yeah so like you know so i went from that to college where you know and i watched like i'm sure i watched plenty of tv and stuff like that and i went and then i got to college and i was in the dorms and we like didn't watch tv because you were just like around people all the time you're just like Mm -hmm. i'd rather just like hang out so i definitely didn't watch any tv i'm sure i saw 
plenty of films. Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting time. Like my like the first couple years of college are a real blank spot for me TV wise for sure. Um, Where'd you go? UC Davis. Okay, cool. So you know, I am. Um, <laughs> there are cows there and bicycles. <laughs> <laughs> It's it is interesting because now that you say that I I do think that because I mean I was I was in uh, in college as well uh, and I didn't really watch much television but it is also interesting that you know ninety nine sees the the birth of HBO for for lack of a better way of putting it right so mm-hmm. Sex in the City the Sopranos that kind of stuff and I did feel like that made it somehow to university in a weird way for me anyway like I felt like there was something sort of um, Ex- are rated about it. We had you know a bit I mean? of a communal Sunday night thing. Right. We did. But, um, at your school. At my school with my friends. We watched <laughs> that stuff. And we watched The OC. Okay. That was a few years later. Uh, that's the list. Yeah. For <laughs> yeah. me, it was basically like Buffy. Dawson's Creek. And then Alias. And yeah. that was sort of it until I was done with college. Yeah. It was like appointment viewing. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah that makes know. sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it, it's it's it yeah. also wasn't the greatest period of TV. Um, I don't know about that, I mean, uh, but, uh, but no, I mean, uh, here's here's my confession. I I was so late to Sex in the City. I think I didn't start watching it until like 2004 or something like that. Like once I left college, and then I, I guys, don't tell anyone. You're not going to release this, right? <laughs> no, this won't go. No in. one listens. I s- still have not seen a single episode of The Sopranos. <laughs> wow. And I. I write about film and television for a living. I wish so. you could see Kenny's face right now, Joanna. It's Kenny's a such huge a sh- Sopranos fan. Joanna's it's- not in studio. Joanna's Skyping, so she can't see my face. She's, it's not like she's looking the other direction. Yeah. But, um, hey, man. It's one of my deepest shames. We all have our, we all have our blind spots. Yeah. I've seen nearly every filmed uh, Shakespeare adaptation, so don't worry. Really? I, I made up for it. Uh, no, probably not. Let's talk about let's talk about this. I'm, yeah. you know, you should just watch The Sopranos. Sometimes you should watch it. Probably <laughs> you'll love okay. it. You will love it. Obviously, I'm sure I will. Plus, I, I mean, it's also the type of thing that I mean, you. I'm assuming you've seen most HBO shows since, so like you've seen right. shades of it in so many things that they've kind of done. So, I think, I mean, if you're comfortable with it, <laughs> I think you should. Um, <laughs> Watch it and come back and talk to us about it. That'd be because I'd be so interested to hear of someone's take on someone like you, someone's take on their first viewing twenty years after it com- came out. Because it, like in some ways, it, it, it ages incredibly well because it, you know it's timeless. In other ways, like it's very much of l- late nineties, early two thousands. So, and I don't know, uh, I, I don't know how that ages, and I wonder how, uh, I wonder what you would think. So, um, you know, just if you want to, planting this, you want to watch eighty episodes of television for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally I will, uh, Here's what I promise you: next time I have eighty hours free, <laughs> okay, perfect, perfect. I will watch The Sopranos. Um, <laughs> so, I'm going to give a synopsis of Midsummer Night's Dream for our listeners. Um, this version of the renowned comedic play finds the world of humans intersecting with the realm of magic. Uh, the lovely uh, Hermia, played by Anna Friel, is wed to Demetrius, played by Christian Bale. But he truly cares for Lysander. But she truly cares for Lysander, played by Dominic West. Hermi- uh, Hermia's friend Helena, played by Callista Flockhart, is in love with Demetrius, while other romantic entanglements abound in the woods. With married fairy rulers Titania, played by Michelle Pfeiffer, and Oberon, played by Rupert Everett, toying with various lovers and each other. I Amid- love that they still have the same marriage conventions in the fairy world, too. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. It's like gender somehow. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? Kind of an open marriage. Let's yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> 
Uh, a Midsummer Night's Dream opened more progressive about it. Opened on May fourteenth, nineteen ninety nine, in fifth place with four point two million dollars behind Black Mask. Uh, I think that was a Jet Li movie, if I'm not mistaken. We'll find oh. out. We'll find out at some point. Okay. Uh, but ahead of Trippin, Trippin, uh, I believe, is Donald Faison. So we're gonna have to watch that at some point. Is it Donald Faison or is it? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and Tea with Mussolini, which we have done. Uh, guys I love that film yeah that movie yeah we did too that movie is actually great (laughs) we were (laughs) we were super into Tea with Mussolini Uh, it would go to make 16 million dollars on an 11 million dollar budget it has 67% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics and 60% from audiences uh, which I think is a little unfair Um, but I'm going to read a very small snippet of uh, Roger Ebert's review he gave the film three stars Uh, he says um Reason and love keep little company together nowadays. So it says Bottom in William Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream, mm-hmm. and he could be describing the play he occupies. It is an enchanted folly suggesting that romance is a matter of chance. Since love is blind, at the right moment, we are likely to fall in love with the first person our, lies, our eyes light upon. Much of the play's fun comes during a long night in the forest where the mischief maker anoints the eyes of sleeping lovers with magic potions that cause them to adore the first person they see upon waking. Uh, Michael Hoffman's new film of William Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream is updated for the 19th century, set in Italy and furnished with bicycles, a lot of bicycles in this, uh, and operatic interludes. But it is founded on Shakespeare's language and is faithful by and large to the original play. Harry Bloom complains in his wise bestseller, Shakespeare, The Invention of, of the Human, that the play of romantic capers have been twisted by modern adaptations into the notion that sexual violence and bestiality are at the center of this humane and wise drama. He must approve of this version where which is genteel and lighthearted and portrays Bottom not as a lustful animal, but as a nice enough fellow who has the misfortune to wake up with donkey ears. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he also lists here, and I think this is worth doing just because it sort of uh, it connects back to what you were saying earlier, Joanna, which is how many Shakespeare movies were out around this time. Uh, Midsummer Night's Dream is another entry in Shakespeare's recent renaissance on film. Much a- after Much Ado About Nothing, Ian McKellen's Richard III, Al Pacino's documentary Looking for Richard, Lawrence Fishburne as Othello, Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet, Helena Bonham Carter in Twelfth Night, Baz Luhrmann's modern street version of Will- uh, William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Modern, modern what version? That's what you said. Modern street version. The King Lear's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, urban. I don't know. Yeah, yep. uh, the King Lear inspired a thousand acres. A remake of Taming of the Shrew is ten things I hate about you. And the Bard celebration in Shakespeare in Love. We can look ahead to the forthcoming Hamlet with Ethan Hawke. Branagh's Love's Labor Lost. McKay Pfeiffer as Othello in the modern urban drama. That's oh oh yeah oh yeah. And Anthony Hopkins in Titus. Um, I love Titus. What are your thoughts on Titus, Joanna? I also love Titus, um, but. It's great. I, I, I know at some point on this podcast yes. we're going to rank uh, we our are. favorite Shakespeare yes. uh, adaptations. So you want to keep that? And I, well, I just I'll just say that I felt really conflicted about not having any Tamar on mine. So, uh, oh, wow. but Titus is great. It's a beautiful, beautiful film. Yeah, um, I have not seen The Tempest though. Uh, also beautiful. Yeah, I mean everything Julie Tamar does is beautiful. Yeah. Really, it's it, mm-hmm. it's oh, it's it's unbelievable that she's not kind of put up as one I of like our, our, our finest auteurs it's crazy to me you know she has such a distinct style and especially now where it's like i mean i would i would love to see a julie tamer marvel movie or a Ju- julie tamer, you know what i mean like sure. i would just yeah. like to see what she would do with some of those things but <laughs> like a doctor strange yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> what you do you know uh, that, uh, yeah on on blank check we're all fans of that mm-hmm. um Griffin said that the most successful piece of entertainment of all time <laughs> insane. is the uh, Lion King musical, uh, musical yes. of Broadway. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah of course, is her. 
I've never well, seen it. Well, which I, what I love is that she got the, uh, she got like an exec producing credit, I think, mm-hmm. on the live action, <laughs> uh, quote unquote yeah, one that did. they just re-released because I think they just took so much from her, you know, production. Cause her, her production, um, like, centered the whole thing. I'm sorry, we're so far off. No, 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 no that's where like, we go. That's what we do. But her, her production centers, <laughs> centers the Lion King back into like actual Africana like stuff, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Versus yes. like sure. what Disney was doing uh, in what, 95, 94, whenever that was. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, and so they were like, yep, we're going to do more of that. Thanks, Julie Tamor. Here's, here's your check. <laughs> 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 Not that she needs it. I mean, I hope she. Yeah. I hope she has. Like, oh I hope God. she gets cut of that take, and then she just has all that money, and she's like, "You didn't appreciate my Beatles musical? That's fine. We did. I have <laughs> so much money. I love that movie. I think that movie's great. <laughs> it is great. Yeah. Yeah. She, I, I, it, it is interesting. I will say that that this film clearly had a pretty small budget. I don't say that in a in a bad way necessarily, but once we get into the woods, it's 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 pretty soundstagey. Um, which works because it's a play, I guess. Mm-hmm. So you got a little, there's a little bit of latitude there, but you know, one of the things that Julie Tamor does so well in Titus and, and, um, at least from the trailer of the Tempest is just the scope of it. This film feels quite intimate and quite small, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing, but it is, I assume something that people might've thought as a negative back then. Um, now, if we're talking about directors, I just want to read something about the director of this film, Michael Hoffman, because mm-hmm. he strikes me as like a character, a precocious like eighth grader would come up with about like just <laughs> just like the greatest guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, all right. So Hoffman was born in Hawaii, the son of Dorothy Harper and Glenn R. Hoffman, who was stationed in the Navy at the time. He grew up in Payette, Idaho, played basketball and attended Boise State University. There he was elected student body, body president. He was co-founder of the Idaho Shakespeare Festival. Um, while at BSU, he served the president's student body, and he was a Rhodes Scholar. <laughs> this guy sounds amazing. While studying Renaissance literature at Oriel College, uh, Oxford, he extended his in- interest in drama by founding the Oxford University Film Foundation and making a student film called Privileged with a young Hugh Grant. Um, that sounds lovely. As far as Americans who are going to be given this kind mm-hmm. of honor of sure. directing an adaptation, this guy seems like he at least put in the work. <laughs> well, and I love looking at his filmography because, like, yes. you've got—I mean, Soap Dish is a stone cold classic yeah. Yeah. made with um, Kevin Klein and Sally Field, um, and then One Fine Day is actually a film yeah, I really a nice like. Movie. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and, and George, George Clooney, Clooney, and then he's like, "Hey Pfeiffer, hey hey Klein, want to come make a Shakespeare with me?" Um, and then he did Restoration, which is a bonkers movie that I I also really like. Is that the, the Robert Downey Jr. movie? Yeah, great Robert Downey performance, amazing wigs. Uh, and re- in Restoration, I think you can really see his like I studied theater in, uh, in the UK uh, vibe. And um, yeah, and then he's like, and then I'll do Midsummer, and like, and then and then it's like sort of steeply off a cliff from yeah. here, right? You know, so um, well, he actually does a a, a pretty obvious Dead Poets Society rip yeah. right yeah. after that with the Empress yeah. Club, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I remember that movie. It's that's the not most that agreed. Bad. It's the but it's the most egregious Dead Poets rip yeah. ever. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he had a nice run there. He's got a handful of movies that I quite liked. Oh, he did Game Six with uh, Michael Keaton. Yeah. He's on some good stuff. Yeah. 
Not a great director. That's <laughs> 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 <It's> good stuff. <laughs> I mean, like nice he's, he's made some great, mo- at least one fantastic movie, which is Soap Dish, which is more than a lot of us can say. So yeah. that's up yeah. to you, Michael Hoffman. And, uh, you know, like this, ca- this cast. Yeah. Yeah. Freaking incredible. And yeah. what's incredible about this cast, um, among other things, is how many of these actors weren't like big deals when yeah. they were cast. You know what I mean? Like, um, as we already mentioned, Sam Rockwell, mm-hmm. Bill Irwin is a theater guy. You know what I mean? He's still like mostly a theater guy, but like, um, that's a theater guy. Uh, Anna Friel, you know, like had hadn't it. done Pushing Daisies, so she hadn't like broken, you know, broken the U.S. yet. Um, Dominic West hadn't made The Wire yet. You know, like all this sort of stuff Christian is like, Bale. yeah, uh, yeah, Christian Bale. Okay, he had so done you read- American Psycho, right? Yeah. He- you read the Ebert review. Yeah, uh, can I please read my favorite excerpt from the New York Times review? Please. Uh, which is... Um, is Janet Maslin? Yes. Okay. <laughs> this incredible line. <laughs> <laughs> Bale is once again given the cheesecake treatment and little occasion to rise above it. Um, so this implies <laughs> that at this point in his career, Christian Bale... But at least by Jenna Maslin of the New York Times was considered nothing more than like a, a cheesecake. <laughs> yeah, himbo. A real stud. <laughs> real empty headed stud, that Christian male. He's uh, not a stud in this movie. Like, I mean, he's he has a shirt off movie. a couple times, but like that, the mop on his head, he just, he's not like. They also, he's, he's wearing a suit in the beginning, beginning yes. of the movie yeah. that was only in style from 1992 <laughs> to 19. 19- 99 1997 sure. really his yeah. pants are so baggy yeah. the idea that anyone in italy in the 19th <laughs> century would wear something like this was sure. so insulting yeah. almost took me out of the movie i'm um, trying to okay okay can we yeah. just let's let's take a moment to look at christian bale's career right now he is american psycho has not come out yet right it's right 2000, it's 2000 right? right yes yeah so i'm trying to figure out like what new, new janet news. maslin is referring to let's <laughs> take some guesses there's Swing Kids, uh, well Newsies, right? And Classic. Swing Kids, which is kind of like Swing Newsies Kids. too. <laughs> Newsies, Newsies too. This time with Nazis. Yeah. And, yeah. and Robert Sean Leonard, our second Robert Sean Leonard uh, reference of the podcast. Perfect. Little Women. Oh right, uh, right, right, right. right. Uh huh. Uh, a Voice in Pocahontas. Right. Um, a the portrait voice. of a lady. Jane Campion's The Portrait of a Lady, where I cannot uh, believe that he was any kind of cheesecake. Yeah. Um, the Secret Agent, which I haven't seen. Yeah. Metroland. Velvet okay. Goldmine, which is an incredible film, and he's yeah. very good in, and but like I would never, well, I would never, co- yeah, he's like you want to talk about ill-fitting pants. That's what, that's, that's <laughs> not his entire game. story in Velvet Goldmine, and then all the little animals, uh, perhaps. Well, I don't know where she's getting this like cheesecake reputation. Was he ever Bale. even in a a uh, <laughs> contemporary set movie? Not until American Psycho. Like, well, that's 80s, isn't it? Oh, yeah, and that's not even... Yeah, yeah exactly. It was Shaft. Shaft? <laughs> He's the villain in Shaft, isn't he? He must be, right? I think that I think there's a little bit of projection going on here. I think Janet had a thing for Christian yeah, Bale. I mean, she- maybe... Okay, listen. And, uh, like, okay, so talking about, talking about in college... We have to talk later, about succession. Later in college, um, I was friends with a girl who was obsessed with Christian Bale. And her name was not Janet Maslin, I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll call her Manit Jaslin. Yeah, sure. And she used to show us all the Christian Bale movies. She would call them DeBale features, and we would watch two Christian Bale movies. Um, <laughs> so can I just say that if Janet Maslin had said this around the 2002 era, which is when Bale made Laurel Canyon, Rain of Fire, and Equilibrium, yeah. 
all of which I mean Laurel Laurel Canyon's a good movie, but like all of which he's just sort of like handsome in. Yeah. Um then like maybe, but this is just out of left field in ninety nine and I, I reject it. Also I, <laughs> I read that I read that quote to a friend of mine who's a baker. Uh, let me <laughs> let me let me read this quote to you again. <laughs> One more time. Bale is once again given the cheesecake treatment and little occasion to rise above it. I read that line to a baker friend of mine. She goes, cheesecakes don't rise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. That's awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> it does feel a little bit like American Psycho was obviously a big, that put him on the map and made him a leading yeah. man. Uh, and he, it does feel like he is shirtless a lot in that movie. Yes. From that point he's on, also sure. he's also Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not condoning his <laughs> no, behavior in the movie. Like, that's not a cheesecake performance. That's not a cheesecake performance. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's also. I mean, we should talk a little bit about Calista Flocka because at this moment, she's she's Ally McBeal at this point, and mm-hmm. the show has been on for half a season. Yeah, uh, was ninety eight. Oh yeah, sorry. So it's been on for a season and a half, and th- I guess there was a whole bunch of scheduling nonsense that had to be done in order to even have her in the movie just in terms of doing it on her hiatus but it 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 was 97 so it had been on uh it had been on two years so i guess but she, she had shot it probably in the middle of between season one and two but yes she, yeah. she had already she had already she wasn't christian bale who had you know just been in the background of a few period pieces right and i, I would even go as far as to say that i might have i remember it was a big deal she was in this i don't know if yeah. you guys remember that but it was like it was a big deal that she was in a movie you know, she was on, you know, the, she was the cover of Time Magazine as feminism in, you know, the late 90s, <laughs> which is insane. Remember the 90s? Was that the death of feminism? I can't remember. No, it's I think the evolution the of evolution. feminism. Oh, right, of course. <laughs> All right, because she wanted a baby, and that's okay. Oh, God. It's okay I mean, to it, want a baby. It was, I remember the, do you remember the, this cover of Time Magazine where on one end you had, like, um, Gloria Steinem, and then oh, the other God. end they had uh, Ali McBeal holding, like, a, a cappuccino. Oh my god! It was insane. <laughs> but anyway, um, but she was, you know, America loved her. She was huge in that moment, um, and it was one of the things that drew me to the theater to see it. If I'm being honest, uh, uh, the, the 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 title is it? was "Is Feminism Dead?" Oh, is feminism dead? Okay, yeah. And is it the the timeline that I'm talking yeah, about? It's Susan B. It's Anthony, Susan B. Anthony Betty for Dan, Gloria uh, Steinem, and then Ali. <laughs> not even a human. Not, I mean, not even a, not even her name. Just a character. <laughs> Three, three, three human people. women with their real names, <laughs> and then a Fox TV character who, by the way, is a fucking working woman lawyer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> killed feminism because she was uh, on the internet. It's amazing. It's amazing. Three yeah. historical figures and a David and E. Kelly Ali creation. Wow. Um, the evolution of the, the evolution of feminism straight to its grave. She's great in this movie, though. Oh, her, lovely. her magazine covers just unilaterally suck. I mean, from a media point of view. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't. No, no, no. Just like they're all like they're all talking about her weight, or it's embarrassing. I'm I'm actually excited at some point. I don't know how we're going to do it just yet, but to talk about Ally McBeal on this, you know, and and where it sort of fits in the we spectrum of of card as a culture. I think we failed her a little bit. Yeah, that's not that was never clear. She's married to Harrison Ford, or at least lived like shacked up with him. She's fine. Oh, she's fine. We're not. Callista's fine. Fine. We we need more (laughs) Callista. I agree. Although their Halloween costumes are epic every year. Yeah, she's she's cool as shit, and like she's cool and like super cool. But like to me, that just says she obviously you know still wants to work. 
She, and, was gr- she was the best part of Supergirl, and then yeah, she but, left, and I was like, not interested. Sorry. Yeah. Pass on <laughs> <Supergirl>. <laughs> we just do a show about Callista's character in Supergirl. Thanks. Callista's um, great. I think she's great in this movie. Right. I do have to sort of, I guess, posit the notion that she's injecting a little bit of Ally McPeel into this role. Um, there's and, and absolutely, that's a, but that's sort of like who Helena is, right? She's about, like yeah. this sort of like hapless. I mean, Helena is such a heaven thankless. You know, yes. she's like yeah. until the part where she gets pissed off because yes. she thinks everyone's fucking with her, which is great. And then it's like, gr- sorry, are you let us swear on this podcast. It's yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Great from there, right? Like Helena's mad. She thinks everyone's messing with her. She fights with Hermia. She calls Hermia short a lot. It's great. <laughs> a lot. Super great. I'm a tall person. I'm really into this whole part where she makes fun of Hermia for being small. And um and it's and it's great. But before that, Helena is such like a wet rag, you know. She's yeah. just sort of like she yeah. narks on Hermia because like she's pissed. It's like all this stuff. So like uh, at least Callista manages to make her like somewhat likable in that first half where you're like, Helena, babe. <laughs> Let 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 Lysander go. Like it's not worth it. There's that great part where she's um, pushing the bike in the rain. Yes, and yeah. just you know she's just you know spouting off her Shakespearean dialogue, yeah. and just kind of bumps into someone. It doesn't notice. <laughs> just keeps going. Uh, I she's love great. when when it turns and she thinks everyone's fucking with her. That was uh, one of my favorite parts. That was really like a totally agree that was that. an it me moment. You know. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you two throw your romantic rivals into the mud? Is that a thing that you do? I would, but what, but I really what I really related to was like the idea that two, some some people are being really nice to me, and I'm like, yeah. Oh, I see. What's your, what's your, your angle? <laughs> what's your angle here? What you, have you two conspired to humiliate me? That's like amazing. I feel like I'm I'm constantly like on the lookout for being the schmuck in a dinner of schmuck situation. <laughs> so, I, Not I, a good movie. I think or <laughs> or the dog in a dog fight. So sure. that I feel like uh, I feel like that was what she was was experiencing right there, and uh, I give her a lot of credit for calling it out in the moment. Yeah, she's. I, yeah, I think she's great in this. I, I think that it's possible, too, that I'm projecting a little bit onto it in terms of, you know, it's really the most iconic thing she's ever done. You know, so it's hard to kind of see her as anything other than Ally McBeal. So that could absolutely be part of it, too. Well, I mean, it's definitely, I mean, she's definitely been typecast. I'll say that. Yes. Michael Michael Hoffman looked at Ally McBeal and was like, ah, oh, my Helena. I see. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Sure. <laughs> I feel like if she had been cast as Hippolyta, she would have served something different. But she's like, oh, you want to do, me to do my thing? The thing that I do? Okay, I can do that. Speaking um, of Sophie Marceau. Yeah. What happened to Sophie? Where did she go? <laughs> France. Did she just... <laughs> Touche. Uh, yeah, I guess she did because she had a big ninety nine. She had the world is not enough and this. Yeah, um, and then she kind of just she sort of disappeared. Um, she's really good in this. She's not really in it very much, um, and I loved her in the world is not enough. I just kind of wish that we got more Sophie Marceau. Can I tell you my favorite? This is actually my literally my favorite thing about this film. Yeah, it has to be with Sophie Marceau. Um, because I was a really cool teenager, <laughs> my dad got me a book that's like Shakespeare to screen adaptation, like a book about Shakespeare adaptations, um, which I still have. I'm like looking at it right now. It's still on my bookshelf. Um, <laughs> and uh, in that book, the writer um, was kind of knocking on Sophie Merceau's per- per- performance in this, which she didn't need to. Um 
And he says, she says the word um, admirable, like she's saying hot mirror ball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she does. Hot mirror ball. And he's (laughs) right. Yeah, it's really weird. And I think about it all the time because it's just one of the funniest things I've ever read in my life. And then when she did it, when I was rewatching it, I was just like, it killed. Killed in this house. So bizarre. Here it is. Hot mirror ball. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's so I watch this film and I often watch a lot of the movies um for this podcast with the subtitles on. It's just easier mm-hmm. to just so and I remember Admirable coming up and the word that came out of her mouth was just not that word. It's just amazing. It was hot mirror ball, that's what she hot said. Mirror ball. Uh she's like strange and hot mirror ball. Um yeah. She Hippolyta so what's interesting about you know, like um I I love David Strathairn. you know, Thesis is sort of like a once again another thankless role. I mean what's interesting about <laughs> updating it from uh ancient Athens to uh, 19th century Edwardian Italy uh, is when it starts and Theseus is like, "Uh, well, you know, I'm a pretty cool liberal duke, but either either you fall in line with your dad or you got to die or the nunnery. One of those three things pick. And Hippolyte is like, oh, hell no. And what's great, I mean, like, that's kind of in the text, too, because Hippolyta is, what, like, queen of the Amazons, right? Mm -hmm. And so she's, like, a pretty, she's a pretty feminist lady, and she's like, Theseus, I'm gonna marry you, like, let's get it together. But they, like, this adaptation tried to give her even more agency in that, like, her sort of storming away, and then there's, like, the part at the end where they, like, silently confer. And that's exactly what I'm talking about, where it's like, well, we have no lines here for Hippolyta, but, like, let's pretend that she had something to do with Theseus' decision that like all these naked 20-somethings they found in the forest should probably get married. Um, yeah, it feels so. very puppet mastery a little bit as though she's sort yeah. of controlling yeah. things. You know, I, that's what you get when you marry married Amazon, I yeah, guess. That's what I was thinking, Amazonian <laughs> queen. Um, so it, it's interesting. So obviously, you know, uh, Sophie struggles a little bit with some words, but I will say that overall this cast is, I think, quite good at delivering this dialogue. I didn't like David Strathairn. Um, <laughs> I didn't like his casting. I'm also like... I'm, the words were... You could tell he was... Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he struggled necessarily with the words, but it did feel a little bit like... It felt a little forced. Yeah. And I didn't, and particularly because he, I believe he has the first line. He does. Um, so I, it's not my favorite... It doesn't on, start strong. Entree right. into the world. You're yeah. right. I have another person that I would not have cast in one of the oh. roles. Oh, interesting. Um, and I hate to say this because I love this actor. Uh-oh, I'm going to fight you. <laughs> <laughs> you could just sense it. It's the Tooch. It's Toochie. I knew I was kidding. I it's the Tooch. <laughs> no. Um, I'll give you I'll give you my, my quick one-liner on Tooch for this movie. <laughs> There's so few roles in cinema or theater in, you know, the Western canon uh, like Puck, and I think it's worth swinging for the fences with the casting of a guy like that. Um, and Tooch is going to get the job done every day of the week. He's gotten the job done in every role he's ever been in. I don't mean to throw shade at the Tooch, and there's a lot of them. What's that? Tucci's done and a lot. There's a lot of them. Yes, John. Did you know the one movie he was nominated for an Oscar for? I'm did. guessing she does. <laughs> Do I, uh, oh gosh. 
Um, oh no! I thought Phil wouldn't get it in uh, in five guesses, and unbelievably, he did. So it's do I get five guesses? Sure, sure. But I, I that my my clue is it's not like Devil Wears Prada, which it probably should have been. Yeah, great. That's one off the table. <laughs> <laughs> is it Julie and Julia? That was no. my first guess, though. Um, that actually would have been my first guess too. Right? Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, you, you're you're playing with Meryl, and he holds that movie together. Or He's so good. Do yeah. you know that there exists? So, Julie and Julia is exactly like one half of a great movie. Yes. And yeah. uh, do you know that there is a Julie Julia only cut on Vimeo? Really? <laughs> so if you ever just want to watch this like hour long biopic about Julia Child, <laughs> it's on Vimeo. It's pretty great. That's like that. That's yeah. That's great. It is um, half of a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it should be easy A, but it's, it's he's not. good in that. He's really good. In that I'm too. not crazy about that movie. Oh, I love the. I know what it is. I think I you know, know what it is. is. Is it lovely bones? Yes, yeah. it's lovely bones. <laughs> them, them bones. You're that, you're that salmon girl. <laughs> it's funny because so I Kenny texted me this. I guess Julia Julia first, then I guess Lovely Bones. Because in my brain I was like, what's the biggest studio movie that like. You could see a supporting nomination, and, and Lovely Bones was the one that kind of came to mind. It's just it's not a, it's not a good movie, but like I guess he's the best part in it. And it was a big. I mean, that was a huge Oscar movie. I a really hope for an Oscar movie. I, I, I want to go back to Easy A because <laughs> <laughs> okay. Easy A is you know not a Shakespeare adaptation, but it's one of those ten things I had about you type. Like let's update some classic. Right. The relationship between him and Patricia Clarkson is revelatory. And I think that changed the way parents were portrayed in media. Oh, that's interesting. From that point forward, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yes, and you, please. I'm gonna <laughs> agree with you, but I'm also gonna bring up. Um, this came up why? Oh, because you remember how like? Well, I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but um, neither do we. <laughs> okay, great. At some point in the near future, dis- yeah, distant past, listeners. You may remember a like outcry on Twitter because people felt like Chris, Kirsten Dunst had been disrespected. Yes, um, mm-hmm. and so everyone was you know, spent the day sort of talking about the Kier- oh, Kirsten yes, Dunst performance. You're talking about like, Spider Man's girlfriend. Right? I'm talking about Spider Man's girlfriend, yes. Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that's when, how I know. That's how I best know her. Right, right best known yep. for. Yep. Playing Spider-Man, no hyphen, girlfriend. Um, anyway, so <laughs> I decided to like bring up this Kirsten Dunst movie that I love that like nobody ever talks about, which is uh, Get Over It, which is from 2001, which is a Ben Foster, Kirsten Dunst teen comedy that is loosely-ish based mm-hmm. on Midsummer Night's Dream. They do a Midsummer Night's Dream musical production within um, the film. And in that film... Mm-hmm. Ed Begley Jr. and Susie Kurtz play Ben Foster's parents in in performances I can only imagine must have inspired Stanley Tucci and Patricia Clarkson. It's it's the same. I need to watch this movie. Very similar. Oh, I'm not saying it's a good movie, but it's like a <laughs> great movie. Yeah. Mila, Mila Kunis is in it. Shane West has like an inexplicable British accent. Uh, Cisco's in it. Well, not only Cisco in it. Vitamin C is in it. Vitamin C is Coolio in it. Coolio is in it. Carmen Electra <laughs> is in it. <laughs> Who directed this movie, Kenny? His name is um, Tommy O'Haver. Okay, sure. 
And, and wow. Martin Short, but honestly, genuinely, this is one of the best performances of Martin Short's entire career. Um, so I recommend Get Over It. There's a great, so like, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to stop no, talking please. about this in a second, but, yeah. um, you know, future, future, very serious actor, Ben Foster. Um, very serious. Yeah. Extremely serious <laughs> yeah. actor, Ben Foster. Yeah. Um, who, like, as far as I know, like, won the Tour de France in order to play Lance Armstrong. <laughs> yes, he did. That's True. what I remember. Um, so he plays, uh, they're doing this musical version of Midsummer where there's, like, a boy band. He's playing, I think, Demetrius and Shane West is playing Lysander or vice versa. And they do a song called, like, Hermia or okay. Hermia, Why Don't You Love Me? And it's a boy band song. <laughs> and they're doing like boy band choreography. So please, if you want to see very serious actor Ben Foster in a toga doing boy band moves to a song called Hermia, Why Don't You Love Me? Maybe in parentheses, Why Don't You Love Me? Um, <laughs> check out, get over it. It's, uh, I don't know, uh, in, in when at the time we taped this, mm-hmm. it was available on HBO. Uh, oh, go. okay. Well, now I'm going to go uh, watch that. Is it appropriate I, for children? Or seven. Um, yeah. All right, yeah. cool. I'll watch it tonight then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, Mila Kunis and Kirsten Dunst are in, like, bikinis at some point, but it's not like... My kids have seen people in bikinis before. Yeah, that's about there all you, you need to worry about, it. How did this... This movie completely slipped by. Like, I didn't even know... I, I, I like to think that I know most of yeah, Kirsten Dunst's... Of Kirsten Dunst's yeah. completest I mean, she, she had a huge year in 99. She had dropped a gorgeous Virgin Suicides and Dick. Dick. Um... So yeah, I'm just I don't I don't know how I didn't know this movie existed. So I think I watched it because at one point I was a Ben Foster completist. This is how I wind up watching like <laughs> some most like most of the weird sure. movies I watch is like when I decided I've become fascinated with an actor and decided to become a completist. Uh, this is before Ben Foster became a little insufferable, and um, sure. <laughs> I wanted to watch all his stuff. And I watched this, and it starts with a musical montage opening. He gets broken up with, and Vitamin C is singing, a, I believe, a Burt Bacharach song behind him. Uh, anyway, just watch the opening of Get Over It, and you won't be able to stop, I promise you. We were talking so, Ben anyway. Foster uh, a couple weeks ago. Freaks, Freaks, and Freaks and Geeks. He's in a couple of yeah. that. Ooh, yeah, that's a dicey. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little dicey. He's yeah. A, yeah. He's a, He's a very young man in that. I guess it was ninety nine. Yeah. He was also in Liberty Heights in ninety nine. So he we'll was. get him again. We will. Yeah. But uh, oh, he's almost. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We might. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I like. I like Levinson. I haven't seen it since ninety nine, so I don't know. Have you seen it recently, Joanna? Uh, Liberty Heights. Liberty Heights. Uh, no. So you know what? Never mind. <laughs> That's amazing. How do we? Get I mean, I, I haven't seen it since ninety nine, and and it's about. Uh, like um, an interracial love yeah, song. Yeah, I don't know how. So I'm going to retract <laughs> my support of it. <laughs> I, I don't know how it plays it. now, um, but I remember. I remember the time. This was part of the 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 Barry Levinson it's sort the of fourth. The fourth in his Baltimore, Baltimore series. Yeah, and a- Adrian Brody rising. Adrian, right? Adrian Brody <laughs> rising. Yeah, exactly. A- Adrian Brody ascendant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know. Ben Foster's. I, I like Ben Foster. I just choose not to like watch him in interviews. <laughs> That's so, a good way to, to do keep it. Keep liking think. him. Yeah. yeah. I love I think, Ben wait, Foster. What's your movies. what's your favorite Ben Foster performance? I think it's a tie um between I loved him on 6 Feet Under. Um and I also really liked him in 310 to Yuma. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. He's in 310 Yuma, right? 310 Yuma was the one to, yes. that, that yeah. jumped to the top of my head. As yeah. like, 310 Yuma uh, is my answer. He's in Six Feet Under? Yeah. He was uh, Claire's boyfriend in season three and four. What? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll make everybody hate me. I can't. I don't know what that noise denoted. <laughs> well, I mean, I definitely yeah, I watched Six Feet Under, and I just recently on this podcast bragged about being some kind of Ben Foster completist. So the fact that that was some kind of surprise to me makes me worry about my your completism. <laughs> the three that dropped to my that jumped to my head uh-huh. were uh, Three Ten to Yuma. Sure, he is remarkable yeah. in that. Yeah. Hell or high water. Yeah, he's great in that. Um. And yeah, I was gonna say I'll make everyone hate me, mm-hmm. um, but Alpha Dog. And there's something about the performance in Alpha Dog. Now, not the greatest movie, but he is so scary in that movie. Um, he's, and yeah. I, in, in a movie that's kind of about scary people to begin with, he's so much scarier than the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it always stuck with me. So I'm gonna say one other Ben Foster role. Uh, is he in Midsummer Night Dream? He's not. Okay. Um, is, but he's uh, in Get Over. He's in Get Over. <laughs> um, is uh, Thirty Days a Night? Thirty Days a Night. He's really Thirty good at Days a Night. Oh. Yes. He's also a- uh, the Messenger. Yes. Um, so Ben Foster. This right, podcast so ben on Ben Foster. So we got here through Stanley Tucci, did, who I said should not be Puck. Um, that's okay, the follow, end of my follow story. up question. Yes. And this is, I swear to you, about the movie we're, we're watching. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Uh, who would you cast in 1999 instead You're, of Stanley Tucci? Should I just say it? Yeah, you should. Yeah, it's yeah. Jim Carrey. Really? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> so it just, just hung up and it was like, I'm done. Yeah, no, it's Jim Carrey. I mean, it's like, there's. Wow. Um, like the Riddler? That's what you No, 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 no. I mean, this is post Truman Show Jim Carrey. So, like, and this oh, is Man okay. on the Moon Jim Carrey. So, the, I, I have a lot of faith in him at this point. You know, this is a few years before Eternal Sunshine. I have a lot of faith in him at this point to interpret the role correctly, but also the oh. abilities he has. To take wow. these like wild swings, that's what I would have done with it. So I, I will say this: I, I, I'm gonna say yes and a little bit here. Uh, I think that did you have someone in mind? Because you're no, you were looking at me like I don't like, have. I literally had nobody. Phil was looking at me, trying to like like just go ahead and say it. We no, I know you're gonna say. <laughs> I really da, have no da, idea. Da, uh, but here's my thing: is is uh, Stanley Tucci seems like a sprite. Like he seems yeah. like a, 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 a so what? And, he's and Jim Carrey's this towering, like he he's this big person. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's Puck, Puck is Puck is tiny. Puck See, is I like a sprite. Thought, I always thought Puck was supposed to kind of 
suck in mm. the energy. I, th- I thought I thought Puck when Puck was on screen was okay. the thing that you that you can't take your eyes off of. Okay. Um, and that's how I always interpreted Puck. So, but, or Robin uh, Goodfellow. You know but, how you said that um, Midsummer is the first the first play you study in school, the first play you see, the first you know, blah blah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's all it is definitely the first Shakespeare play I remember seeing, and. I I am about to say some things that might be mm. very uh, niche Bay Area. But there's a thing called Pickle Family Circus. Is this a Bay Area thing? Probably. I okay. don't know what that is. <laughs> is <laughs> I mean, it Pickle like, Family Circus? Just so yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like Cirque du Soleil, but probably jankier. Anyway, Pickle Family Circus is a thing. I don't... There's no way this isn't cool. <laughs> <laughs> Pickle Family <laughs> I thought <laughs> circus, the last thing I thought it was going to be like was Cirque du Soleil. Uh, okay. I thought small. it was going to be some kind of dog thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so wait, it? wait. Okay, okay. Pickle Family Circus was a small circus founded in 1974 in San Francisco. Okay. okay. Niche Bay Area. Okay. They influenced the creation of Cirque du Soleil in Montreal. So thank you. Damn. Oh, I'm not denying it. I'm not I'm not doubting you. I'm just This is like Pickle Family Circus. This is like amazing name. Proto Cirque du Soleil. This is like Cirque du Soleil colon origins is Pickle Family Circus. So (laughs) they did (laughs) they did a production of Midsummer Night's Dream. Um in when I was a kid, so like in the eighties, uh, that was like kind of at least locally famous, and um, so they had like m- major like tumblers and acrobats doing all the fairy stuff, and the it was a woman playing Puck, and she just like blew my tiny mind, <laughs> like the way that she was like crawling all over everything and like clambering up ropes and like doing all this stuff so like if you're not dangling by like your pinky finger off like a piece of silk strung from the ceiling as you're delivering pucks lines you're gonna be a letdown to me who's seen the notorious pickle family circus (laughs) you know i I i have two things i have one thing that will blow everyone's mind okay the pickle family circus was started with three clowns one of the three clowns Bill Irwin. Whoa! That's real. There you go. That's crazy. That's Whoa. Um, I know who I would cast as Puck today, and I'm not trying to be... I, have, I actually have one now, too. Oh, who? No, but you can go first. Uh, there are a lot. There are a lot of people now who I would consider. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, but the guy who I would trust the most, and I know he would fucking kill it, and you just have to trust me on this, <laughs> Donald Glover, would just destroy it. That's interesting. My brain went to, and this, this maybe this is an insane thing, but Aubrey Plaza. Oh, oh, well, that's very oh. legion of you. Not what I'm looking for. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> it is very legion of me. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm. I guess I'm just. Th- you here, can wrap a whole. I'm gonna go with you on this one. You can wrap a whole production around Aubrey Plaza as Puck, and kind of use that as your centering point, and yeah. it would make a, it would make for an interesting production. Yeah, I think my brain just kind of went to this place of of the mischief that is like the character is mischievous, right? The character is a, is a shitster, for lack of a better way of putting it, and she feels that way to me. Like she feels like a she's she's a you know she's an agent of chaos. I don't know. What she I can. love about Tucci's yes, uh, Tucci, puck yes. is his um, comedic incompetence <laughs> is pretty great, and uh, there's this one shot. <laughs> 
there's this, there's this one shot where when Helena and Hermia are like mud wrestling, yeah. and like, uh, <laughs> and Oberyn is like, Bud, what did you do? And Tooch gives this really classic like, <laughs> like a, like a, oh boy. <laughs> And it's really the guy gets the job done. Don't get me wrong. It's really hard to pull off a good oh boy, Uh, and he does it. He nails it. He really does. He has one. He has one of my favorite moments in the play too. Uh See, this isn't this isn't me trying to say he was bad. He wasn't bad. Like he's always going to deliver. It's Um, just your pro carry agenda. You're like, let's. I would like you from now on for the rest of your podcast to try to sneak Jim Carrey into every single 1999 production. Not hard to do. Um, (laughs) No, it's 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 the it's the equivalent of like the 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 dangling by the pinky finger. Like I've seen what Jim Carrey can do as Puck in my dreams every night. (laughs) The tooch just can't. Yeah, no, I get it. But he has that little moment where I mean, Phil's doing the exact pose right now. Where Oberon is laying back on his on the ground, <gasps> yes, with, yes, with his hands behind his head, and, and Tooch gets him. right next to him to try to <laughs> right do the exact ear. same yes. pose. It's adorable, but I never thought of those two as, as having that kind of relationship either. Where but I love like, that. I love that. Like, um, yes, it was cute. I want to be. I want to be like cool and hot, like my boss, <laughs> instead of like ambition and confident, like I am. Like I'm a hit with yeah. like the ba- the beta fairies. Like I can get it on with like. <laughs> Like peas blossom and like mustard leaf or whatever, yeah. you know, but like, um, yeah, Oberon, I mean, Rupert Everett in this movie, can we just talk about how, really how, does. like, he is a good, like, he's shirtless with, yeah. um, and Carter like, mm-hmm. and like sprawling and murmuring and purring, and he's just like on the moss, like, most of the time. And you're like, what is this performance, and yeah. why is it so good? And <clears throat> P.S. Um, and Michelle Pfeiffer is like one in this film, I mean, in anything, but in this film is one of the most like beautiful things Stunning. I've ever seen in my entire yeah. life. Um, but she and Tucci and uh, Rupert Everett are all very discreetly smeared in glitter. Do you yes. know what I mean? It's yes. just like the right amount of body glitter. The frame is. I mean, I think the yeah. lenses too. <laughs> Everything yeah. has every, glitter. Every Michelle Pfeiffer shot looks oh. like, yeah. you know, oh. in um, all that jazz, whenever they show Jessica Lang, do you know what I'm yeah. talking about? It, yeah, every yeah. shot's like that, you know, where it's, yeah. it's like yeah. Vaseline on the lens. Yeah. I don't it's know like what. Yeah. Five inches thick of Vaseline. Yeah. It's also interesting. In So we did a, an ideal husband, uh, Oh yeah, and uh, I didn't. I mean, I I liked Rupert Everett in that movie, fine. But and I was supposed to believe that he was this, you know, man about town. And and in this though, he is just radiating sort of a a sexual chemistry. And he's just he's I don't know. There's just something he's really really mischievous and hot in this. I don't know. I I think he's great. I yeah. I think you have an issue when you ask Rupert Everett to play like. straight yeah like you're asking him to play in um an right, idol husband yeah. um but when he's playing like pansexual, pansexual. king of yeah. <laughs> fairies pansexual he's like i yeah. i got this <laughs> yeah he's like no problems yes i will i will fuck michelle pfeiffer absolutely <laughs> you know yeah he's he's great he's the hottest guy at the most interesting orgy yeah oh yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> I hope his agent pitches him that way. <laughs> um, yeah, I know because like there's something very sexy about his performance in My Best Friend's Wedding, yes. and he has absolutely 
no sex scenes in that movie. Yep. He has he doesn't have a love interest no. or anything. He's just like he's one of the few people who's grabs charm, Julie Roberts' boobs a couple times, but that's basically but that's it. like platonic. Yeah, yeah, there's like his charm like actually like manifests yeah. as sexiness, which is not always the case. Charm often manifests as like. Smarm. Yeah, he's he's really great in this. Um, I also so on the Michelle Pfeiffer because Michelle Pfeiffer has three films in '99, one of which I argue is the worst film of 1999 that we've done thus far, which is the story of Us. Have you seen that film, Joanna? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's not good. But well, here's what I got from the story of Us, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I learned about the concept where, like, if you like, <laughs> about to say a phrase that I know what I you're going to say the, the feet. Oh no. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Amazing. What were you going to say? <laughs> I don't know. I just baited you into a Tarantino revelation. I don't know. <laughs> no, I was about to say, and there's no, I can't think of a great way to phrase this. Uh, if you have a relationship with a child, um, a cool thing to do, not a cool thing, but like a thing to do. Is, uh, <laughs> I don't know what's happening right now, but I love it. <laughs> it's to ask them high point, low point. Isn't that from uh, that movie? Right? Okay. High point, low point. Yes, and that's Phil way made fun like of that about- on our podcast. I did. I did. And I immediately said that we do with my. <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of children. And you have with, relationship with children. With my, I have a relationship with several children. We do a lot of cool things. Um, and uh, and we do um, we we do our version of that rose and thorn. Oh, I like that. So we do that every day. And Bud, Bud is what we're excited about. So we do that every day. That's and it cute. is a conversation starter, and it's a way to force our children to talk. And I learned that from the story, the story of, of us. Yes. So, but Michelle Pfeiffer in Story of Us is trying very hard um, to sort of—I don't know—it's—it's it's a manic performance, and I love Michelle Pfeiffer to she death. She's trying very, hard. but she's trying very hard in that movie. This movie comes very easily to her. It feels like to me. You know, she says in an uh, an interview, she said she hadn't done uh, Shakespeare since she was in high school. Um, But, you know, she's great in this. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel like she's having any issues with it whatsoever. Um, It's it's also sort of not a stretch for Michelle Favre, if that makes any sense. Like she's this beautiful, you know, goddess. Yeah, like an adored goddess. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) she does a similar thing. Well, it's different, but. Sort of similar in Stardust, you know what I mean? Oh, right. In terms of like uh, this, this genre, powerful queen type figure. Um, uh, she does actually a very similar role to this in uh, Cherie, which is... Oh, yeah. I never saw remember that. Remember that? No. Um, she's really good in that. And then and then it makes this makes me excited for... <laughs> please don't judge me. Oh, my God. For, for Maleficent? Maleficent. <laughs> Yeah, no, I can see that. I get that. Right? If, yeah, like, she's yeah. going to bring some Titania flavor to that, like, for great, sure, great stuff. Well, and this great that stuff. actually leads well into, into another point. So there's a couple moments where she drops her voice or register and she sounds like Catwoman in this. Oh, yes. Which, I also noticed that. So, yeah. which I love, and I imagine she will do a lot in Maleficent. <laughs> That's my guess. Um, but yeah. who knows? Uh, I love her filmography so much. She's the best. She's I just love so looking at it and just like knowing every movie <laughs> that she was in. You know, like for I think we're going back. Yeah, we're going back forty years almost. Where she just—it's not that they're all great movies, but they're all like kind of movies that stick in your brain in a in a very specific way. Julie Roberts is kind of like this too, and there are a lot more actors who are who are like this and actresses. But um, I really like looking at her filmography. Just 
looking back and just saying, <laughs> she, she, she was amazing. She, great. Yeah. She was great at this. She was great at that. Joanna, do you have thing, a favorite Michelle Pfeiffer performance? I mean, how do you, I don't know how you top Catwoman, yeah, honestly. Yeah. Selena Kyle, well, you, icon. You've obviously never seen these um, two. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say though, Chris too. Chris gives a reference. Stephanie Zanoni. I, actually, Zanoni, I it, mean, it, it's it's a it's it's half of a joke. But I did watch Grease two fairly recently, yeah. and she's unbelievable in that. She I is need to watch. So, I've never so seen good. Grease two. She is. Oh, she is, she is so good. So like that movie's terrible, and she's so well. <laughs> <laughs> That movie's very bad, but she's so good. Like, I, well, <laughs> I think uh, which part are we welling? <laughs> I mean, uh, there's good songs in that film, and there's her, and there's her. Uh, there's Maxwell Caulfield doing something uh-huh, on a uh-huh. motorcycle. Uh, I saw it last year. I mean, I've seen it a bunch. I love Grace too. Um, and I saw it last year. They did a screening at the Alamo Draft House here in San Francisco, and it was uh. It, it really good time at the movies because everyone there was just like into it. Here's what I'll say about Grease too, and then we can get back to Midsummer Night's Dream. Um, <laughs> is uh, it um, it the politics of Grease two are so much better than the original Grease? Um, I can't even tell you. Stephanie Zanoni's like, you know what? Yeah, I want a dude who can ride a motorcycle, and I want him now. And the movie's like, okay. Whereas Sandy's like, I'm going to change everything about myself to get with Danny Zuko. And you're like, why though? And the Greases, which I actually did watch. It was on TV the other night. And aside from the fact that I don't know why the the car flies away at the end. (laughs) 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 Uh, Because of true love. Oh, true love powers it into the clouds? Yep, yep, yep. Cool. Um, I hate the fact that that she has to like that she does what she does yeah, to herself. Tell me about it, stud. Yeah, it sucks. Um, but my second favorite Michelle Pfeiffer performance is The Fabulous <laughs> Baker Boys, which I think oh, is she's so a good great, great, great movie. Yeah. And we're, we're only giving her a second favorites because everyone's favorite is Catwoman. It's got to be, I mean, for me, it's Catwoman. All right, so my second favorite, because of course I'm not a crazy person. <laughs> um, yes, you're my, looking at her filmography right yeah, now? Yeah, I'm looking at my, I'm looking at the filmography. It's, um, they're just liaisons. Yeah. Yeah, oh, she's a great so movie. Good. Yeah, she's great, uh, and she's actually. I have to say, One Fine Day is a really cute movie. It's it it's is. you know we don't see as many rom coms. Baby as we May Whitman, baby May, baby May, May Whitman. Everything's mm-hmm. beige in that movie for some reason. I don't know mm-hmm. why. Um, Mid nineties, I guess everything was beige. But um, it's a really it's a really nice, sweet romantic comedy, and I wish they made more rom coms with like big movie stars doing stuff like that. Well, it's Clooney before he was a yeah. big movie star. Yeah. It but was he even was, before yeah. the first Batman, or not it the was. first Batman, the only he Batman. He still movie. had that, like, ER Caesar cut, right? Yep. Because yep. things were combed forward. Yeah, so, so weird. It was yeah. a time to be alive. I still have it. Yeah, it was a uh, Peacemaker time. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was pre-Peacemaker. It was his first uh, <laughs> leading man performance. It's so crazy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, and I remember weird. I remember all the articles, like, Peacemaker happened and it flopped, and all the articles were like, yeah, TV star tries to become film star, <laughs> fails miserably. <laughs> Suck it, Kaloons. Back to the ER for <laughs> Suck it. There's a lot of that. He got he, that a lot for the first Why while. are people rooting for this guy to fail? Don't know. It's, I it's mean, like, it's, it's... He's like Lana Del Rey. I mean... <laughs> yeah, he's the Lana Del Rey wow. of TV stars. He really is. Wow, wow, wow. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think What My Day is really cute. I actually found something out which I think is kind of amazing. Um, during the shoot of uh, Midsummer Night's Dream... <clears throat> 
apparently it was all night shoots, which sucks for obvious reasons. Oh. Uh, and oh, it almost you're unhinged- in Tuscany. <laughs> it almost unhinged the <laughs> cast and crew. But the best part is that the lush greenery on the set became poisonous. It was in this huge airplane hangar full of decaying vegetation and bugs and rot. And by the end, greenhouse gases started to develop. Oh, my God. Which I think is like her ba- her fairy bower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everything was rotting and poisoning everybody. And everyone was just actually falling in love with everybody. <laughs> everyone was just, I just think that's I think that's fantastic. Uh, I also. Oh, my God. Oh my god! They I all, love this. They all now s- I'm now I'm envisioning like that scene where um, Callista and Anna and Christian and Dom. Yep. I'm I'm first name basis as well. Of course, of course. They yeah. all have to get like naked, and Callista has to like artfully drape her hair yeah. so you can't see her nipples, and like all sorts of like, and they're all artfully posed. That looks like it took place out, outside, but like, what if they shot it in the poison greenhouse? <laughs> <laughs> I just hope everyone's like, like hallucinating. Roll around in the roll around in the grass naked in this poison <laughs> moldering muck we've made. <laughs> the other thing too that I that I learned uh, was that so uh, Callista and Anna Friel were both set. There's that obviously the the mud fight that that we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. um, but they didn't check the grittiness of the mud to see if it was costume friendly. And apparently, it got inside their corsets. So every time they moved, it was sandpaper that tore off their skin. <gasps> oh. oh my god! It sounds you like gotta a- check the grit. Hoffman, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so like a irresponsible. They were all in the mud fight. All four of them. Yes, but the men yeah, were but wearing like, pants and no shirts. Just saying, it's important that that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, yeah, the boys didn't have fight, to deal with mud fight corsets. So, so tawdry. Ter- yeah, there was a mud fight. That's like so yeah. WWE. No, it was yeah. all four of them in the mud yeah. fight. So you know, it you doesn't could just, change. The- you could just ignore Dominic West and Christian Bale if you wanted to. You could. You could. I mean, but- Dominic West spends ninety percent of this movie in like her petticoats or whatever it is he's got like <laughs> tied around his waist. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I feel like the, the mud fight scowling. probably added to your friends thinking that this movie was porny, though. Joanna. That's the porn part. Um. Yeah, the mud fight, and there's just like a lot of uh, artful fornicating yeah, <laughs> in yeah. this movie. I mean, but that's what that's what Midsummer Night's Dream is a sex comedy. It's fine, you know. And you know, Michelle uh, Pfeiffer has sex with a donkey man. She sure does, <laughs> and it, it is artful and beautiful. It they, is. It <laughs> is. They sell their romance they in do. a way that never happens in Midsummer Night's Dream. I agree. Which is great. Which I so strongly prefer because, like, honestly, I'm. I've always been a little embarrassed like, for this play. I'm so embarrassed for this writer, William Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, that he put that, yeah. But no, I've always been a little embarrassed for it watching these because I, I that stuff like that's secondhand embarrassment to me. Like seeing um, Titania humiliate herself. Yep. yep. You know, well, go. Here's, yeah. Here's what I love about this interpretation. I'm sorry. I cut you off. No, no, no. Um, I'm just. Go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is that. Um, it's it, you know it's so dickish right Oberon does this thing to Tanya because he's like pissed off that she like is fostering her best friend dead best friend's son right and he's mad <laughs> and he's like jealous he's like give up the kid she's like no you're crazy anyway um so he does this thing out of spite right yeah. but like Rupert Everett sells it as it's just kind of like well you know oh I'm gonna I'm gonna be sexy and do this and it'll be sexy and fun and then he's watching her like sort of roll around with the donkey and he's just sort of like he looks kind of wistful and jealous and he's like oh I really like her and I want to yes. be with her and so like um 
And I like that. And then when he wakes, and then the, and then she, Ober and Tanya definitely have sex like next to bottom in yep. the bower. By the way, like they totally. don't even sh- yeah. they don't even kick him out of the bower. Like the couples <laughs> just, who don't like... kick the dog out of the bed. <laughs> <laughs> they just What's like go movie? for oh, it. Jerry Maguire, but... where yeah. they're having sex in front of the dog, and the dog's just watching them. Yeah. <laughs> but it kind of it like kind of makes what Oberyn does like feel not. Not as spiteful as it can in some productions. You know, it's it's not as like hateful. It's yeah, like I agree. I, I mean, it's still bad. Like, there's no way to describe it where it's not bad. <laughs> but but at least like this whole part, this whole way that Rupert Everett plays it of like, uh, oh, I'm kind of jealous of that donkey man. <laughs> I want that. There's to also is like interesting. Yeah, it's 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 part of I think the reason that I that I love this um, adaptation so much is is how light a touch it has. You know, and that you have these sort of these woodland, we'll call them creatures, fairies, what have you, um, and how sort of dumb they think humans are and sort of puppet mastering all these love affairs that if done the wrong way can seem, they can seem shitty. Like Puck and Oberon could seem like assholes mm-hmm. if not done well. Which they, o- Which they always, always do. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's it's the fact that this this movie is sort of very loving and kind of playful about all of the characters that it never sort of like all of them for that matter. No one comes across poorly in this movie. Um, none of the characters do. Uh, and I think that that's, yeah, I, I, I think it's a testament to how, how great an adaptation this is. Um, so do you want to do our top five Shakespeare adaptations now? How do you feel about yes, that? I, Joanna? I, uh, <laughs> yes. all night. Do you want to go first, Joanna? Or would you sure. like us to, <laughs> um, can we do round robin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Well, right. Do you want to do? Let's do it from the bottom up, from five yeah. up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll start. Uh, it's sort of I hate to even say this, but it's kind of a tie between two Othellos. It's the ninety-five Othello with uh, Lawrence Fishburne, uh, and then oh, the two thousand and one Othello, which I both liked and sort of felt like they were kind of one. Yeah, mine was a tale of two Othellos. So, is this five as well? Yeah. No, I didn't do a Othello. Uh, my five was. What's your five? My five is going to be this. I, my five was going to be. Um, my five was going to be Orson Welles' Macbeth. Okay, but um, I haven't seen that since I was seventeen, and I just saw this, and I think I uh, should put this there because I really oh, okay. did enjoy this. So there you go. Oh, <laughs> love it. Uh, my number five is Ten Things I Hate About You, which I think counts. Does it count? Uh, sure. sure, I didn't do any of those, but I okay. I love that's my only one. Also. So okay, <laughs> I, yes. Um, so what are your? We we we've we did ten things I hate about you on on here. Um, is it one of your favorite teen comedies? I mean, how do you feel about it in terms of sort of the pantheon of teen films? <laughs> do you guys not like it? We well, not <laughs> like is a hard way to. Uh, uh, I think that I didn't see this film until we did this podcast. I'd never seen it before, sure. yeah, yeah. and I didn't see it when I was a teenager, so it never really made an impression on me back then. And it feels like people that did love it. I don't. I, here, here's what I will say: like we we recently did on uh, one of my podcasts, the Storm Podcast, we did this bonus episode where we did this like draft of the best films of 1999 mm. and it and it went horribly wrong because we were playing a game when we got spiteful and competitive so <laughs> our our, <Perfect. laughs> our list wound it up like a shit show and i can tell you about it in a second but um but a lot of our listeners were like so certain i was going to put 10 things i hate about you on there and i'm like no it's not in the conversation for me as like a top film of 1999 i don't consider it that way and i would put like can't hardly wait and empire records above it um 
But in terms, I just felt like I should have one of the reimaginings on yeah. here, and I and I think that it's far and away the best one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not the. It's maybe the only Julia Stiles performance I love, and I know I'm saying that to someone who just put O in their number five. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and she's great know, in it though. She's great Heath Ledger, you know, yeah. it's just like, but it's like the politics of Tame You the Shrew, which is what they're doing, is like hard to. I, I, you know, I think if I were to watch this now, I'd be like, what? <laughs> because it's yeah. the shrew, which is just like a hard story to swallow in any context. But in but I was, you know, I was a teen and I saw it and I was really into it. So. <laughs> yeah, we had a weird situation because I we had a guest who was quite anti 10 Things I Hate About You. She was. And uh, I think if we had a guest who was quite pro, like say yourself, um, it may have gone differently. But, yeah, I think that we just came at it from a very sort of. Um, I, I I think from I, I can only speak than I expect. I can I can only speak for myself when I say that so many people I know speak spoke so highly of this movie mm, that I went into overhyped. it with. Yeah, it was a little overhyped for me, and I was like, oh, this is a big budget ABC Family TV movie. Like it's just. Oh, I don't- it, it never. Well, I wouldn't argue with that, except for I would say Ledger's performance. Yes, just because like we didn't. I mean, this, this is the thing you were talking about with The Sopranos, right? Like we had never seen a Heath Ledger performance, right? right? That, so yes, we sure. didn't know what yeah, no, what even more he could do. Yeah. And so you're watching this, and you're like, "Dear God, who is that? Like, what is that that I'm watching?" And yeah. you're a teenager. Um, it's so, a making performance. It's, yeah. it's one of those things where you're like, "Oh wow, who is this? I want to see more." And I was really. Uh, like as a huge Third Rock from the Sun fan, I was really to Joseph Gordon-Levitt at the time. <laughs> so sure, sure. And, and Larissa Olianek. So you know, there's a lot to love in, in yeah. ten things. But I but I hear you. If you watch it now, I mean, I don't think that's an unfair assessment. A uh, high budget ABC film movie. Who's the dad in that? Is that Kevin Pollak? No, it's uh, Larry Miller. Oh, Larry Miller. Okay. Yeah, Ke- Kevin Pollak was. Um, she's all that. Uh, also a 99 <laughs> and they're both funny they're both funny in their own way but those are both movies where like the mom inexplicably just died or disappeared so <laughs> yes I, both of those films have like, suffer from that that's weird. all that's like that's yeah. movies yeah. basically <laughs> yeah. uh, let's so my number four uh yeah. is this midsummer night's dream oh. my, my number four is uh chimes of midnight mm. which is basically orson welles playing every scene that foul staff <laughs> ever did um, sure. Which I really enjoy. What's your four, Joanna? I just didn't know that you guys were going to out-highbrow me. I thought I was going to be the highbrow <laughs> podcast, and I was definitely wrong. Um, anyway, my answer is uh, it's this 1996 uh, version of Twelfth Night. Twelfth Night, uh, that's a really yeah. good Twelfth Night. That's a Helena Bonham yes. Carter one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Directed by Trevor Nunn, who's like one of the greatest stage directors of all time. Uh, Richard E. Grant, Ben Kingsley uh, doing an incredible thing. Imelda Staunton, Toby Stevens, Imogen Stubbs. Great thing. And... Um, We'll talk a li- when we're done with this. I'm, yeah. I have something to say about like up de- moving things to different time periods. Uh-huh. Um, but that's one of those where they also shifted to a sort of um, 19th century, early 19th century, late or no, late 19th century aesthetic that I really like. So I kind of feel like there's. I'm sort of surprised we haven't seen more recent Shakespeare adaptations. Like Twelfth Night could be done again. Like I don't know why we're sort of. I'm a little surprised that in the IP world that we live in right now with you know with little women coming out later this year why we haven't seen people go back to this well again not a bad I way f- I feel like now when you get these kind of literary adaptations I'm thinking of like uh, far from the matting crowd is a really yeah. good one that came out a couple of years ago 
they just don't break the way that they used to. And so you right. can't attract like the same talent. They almost have to be like labors of love or hobbies or whatever. Little women is like slightly an exception because of everyone involved. But, and maybe if that's huge, we will see like a Renaissance and I would right. love that. But like, I, I was just talking about the other day. I was like, remember when we used to have a new Jane Austen adaptation every single yeah. year? Seriously. Yeah. And they, and there are only like seven novels and they just kept recycling them. Yeah. We um, pretty quickly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But they did it like three cycles of it and then they were like okay we're done now and i'm like really are we done with jane austen i could go again well you, um, I, so. you, there's a part of me that feels like if little women does work and the trailer's fantastic and i'm i'm you know optimistic that it will i mean that is that's greta gerwig you know using her quote-unquote blank check if you will to try to get yeah. that made so hopefully maybe that opens the door for there more. but there there's a, there's a difference to me adapting things from um the 18th and the, the uh, 1800s mm-hmm. or the 18th century or mm-hmm. the 19th century or the 20th century and something from the 16th or 17th century, particularly with this uh, Ibic pentameter and Shakespearean dialogue and no stage directions. So, I mean, basically, if you use a Shakespearean dialogue, I think you're kind of dead in the water commercially um, with the exception of, you know, uh, well, once the play we're all going to say in our top three. I mean, the movie we're all going to say in our top three. Okay. Play um, <laughs> number two. If you, <laughs> if you don't, then it's 10 Things Out About You, which is fine and great, but there's real, that doesn't really exactly feel like a, a, a Shakespearean adaptation mm-hmm. to me, you mm-hmm. know, in the way certainly Little Women does. I get that. Yeah. So I just, um, I think that's kind of the main reason why they don't do it. I, yeah, I mean it's possible. I, I'm no, just, I, I'm, yeah, I I think there's. I guess I'm just sort of. It's been, for lack of a better way, twenty some odd years since this big kind of. It's been longer of 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 the wave of of Shakespearean movies. I'm sort of you this know. is like the end of it. Like yeah. this is the end no. of it. But but there, it's been a long time since we like. I I'd like to see someone take a big like like fucking Orson Welles used to do take a big swing at a big yes. Shakespearean play totally one agree. of the four big tragedies <clears throat> yeah um, and just well, we're getting it, you know put it get, all out there we're getting a you know a Joel Cohen Francis McDormand Denzel Washington Macbeth later the, well there you go so Someone I mean, just did. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm hopeful that that's really good yeah um, well, I'm a little I saw yeah. did you guys see the the Fassbender Macbeth no was it good it was fine <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. Okay. Like it was fine. Given <coughs> the talent involved, it should have been like mind blowing, but it wasn't. So Yeah, I was yeah. excited for it and I, and I would I would actually say that Macbeth is my favorite play of Shakespeare's. If I had to pick one, if I was you know, gun was put to my head. Um and I can't say that there's been a movie adaptation that I've absolutely loved of it. So I'm hopeful uh that Joel Cohen will be that person, although I'm a little bit worried as to why it's just him and not him and his brother. But we'll no, who knows? I really, you know what I liked. Speaking of like cheaty uh, Shakespeare adaptations, is Scotland PA, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's that was, a, more tyranny. That's a, yeah, that's a really fun one. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Uh, did you do your number four, Joanne? Uh, yes, twelve. Okay, yes. Sorry, uh, my number three is Brana's Hamlet. My number three is Brana's Hamlet. There you go. <laughs> my number three is Brana's Hamlet. I'm not <laughs> really. Kidding. Yeah, sort of. That's God. amazing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's just. I remember I saw it in the theater. Yeah, uh, that's too. a beast. Four mm-hmm. plus hours. 
Um, I mean, literally, brawn is Hamlet. It's, That's, it's, <laughs> I mean, I guess you have to say that. It's but, just yeah. it's it is. I mean, it's it's the Hamlet, right? I mean, I know that there's Lawrence Olivier's, and obviously there's there's Zeffirelli's as well, and those are both very good. Mm-hmm. But this is yeah. Just, there's the one with Mel Gibson, and yes. there's the one with Ethan Hawke, and yeah, right. right. But oh yeah, the there's yeah, there Ethan there Hawk. is something about I, I remember watching the four hour cut in college, and there's just something about the the contrast between the exteriors and exteriors in that particular production. That always stuck with me. Yes. The stark white, yeah. the black knight. I mm-hmm. love the way that movie looks. Yeah. It's yeah. Um, yeah, I, I loved it. It's also I mean, there are people that say um there are people that like Helena Bonham Carter's Ophelia over Kate Winslet's. Um, which sure. I love Kate Winslet's Yeah, Ophelia. I thought she was great. I love how like messy and awful and red faced she looks when she's yes. like lost her mind and stuff like that. Usually Ophelia is like artfully mad and Caitlin's it's like nope I'm very sweaty <laughs> um yeah it's, yeah it's fantastic uh yeah I mean I now I want to I, I want to go like watch a bunch of Shakespeare movies guys yay um my number two is Titus hmm. never seen Titus I'll see it soon um yes you will because it's a 99 uh although you'll have to watch my DVD version of it since it's not streaming anywhere or oh. on blu-ray for whatever reason, don't know. Um, it's it's an aggressive, crazy movie, um, and an aggressive, crazy play. <laughs> <laughs> it is an aggressive, crazy play. So fair enough. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I guess I just I remember this was one of those uh, Fox Searchlight before it was like Fox Searchlight, um, and it was released and sort of platformed right at the end of December. I remember I saw it, you know, in the in the very end of 99 as it was just sort of trying to squeak into Oscar consideration and uh, it kind of just got lost. I think that people just didn't really know what to make of it but I think it's just crammed with amazing performances. I mean Hopkins yeah. is just incredible. Yeah. And yeah. and just like visual like uh, Jessica Lang in that movie like it's just uh, and uh, Alan Cumming in that I mean it's yeah. just it's, it's uh, Henry yeah. Lennox. I mean, everyone in it is just really re- – or Harry Lennox? Henry Lennox? I can't remember. Anyway. Um, and, and Beth Davids. I mean, it, uh, Jonathan Reese Myers. It's a really stacked cast. I'm really excited to do it. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a beast of a movie, though. What was your number two, Joanna? Romeo plus Juliet. Oh. Romeo plus Juliet. <laughs> Mine was Romeo and Juliet. The, the Zeffirelli version. Zeffirelli? Yes. Wow. Okay. Uh, I, I'm so assu- we don't all have the same movie. Oh, was it was it Brandis Hamlet? Was that in our top three? We definitely yeah, all have <laughs> Romeo. Me and Phil <laughs> definitely both have Baz's. Yeah, Baz's our number okay. one. Oh, Baz is your number one. Definitely. Okay, and Zeffirelli's your number one. Joanna? No. Oh, what's your number one? <laughs> My number one is uh, Brandis Much Ado. Oh, really? Oh, wow! I wow! Love that Much Ado. I've never yeah. seen it. Oh, it's a perfect film. So, like, something I wanted to say about this Mm -hmm. movie is this movie is clearly inspired by Brenna's Much Ado and also Room of the View in terms of like its use of Italy as Italy at this time. Okay, yeah. Even though Brenna's Much Ado is set earlier, but like uh, the the like rolling Tuscan hills sort of thing is like a very mm. Brandon Much Ado thing. It's a very room with a like that plus courses is very a room with a view. And um, I don't know. It, it's just I feel like this movie owes owes a bit 
to the brand I'm about to do. So if if you've never, if for those of your listeners who have never seen it, this mm-hmm. is Emma Thompson and Kenneth Branagh when they were still married together and in love before he <laughs> cheated on her with Helena Bonham Carter. With Helena Bonham Carter, oh, there you go. <laughs> but it's okay because she married Greg Wise, who's total dreamboat. So and, it's fine. Um, and a a supporting cast of everyone. the internet's favorite actors. <laughs> Denzel. Who else is Keanu? Keanu. Oh, yes. Michael Denzel Keaton. Keanu. Oh, my Robert God. Robert Sh- Our third go around of Robert Shunlin. <laughs> and Bobby Shaw. Good old Bobby Sean Leonard is in it. My fave. Um, and uh, <laughs> Kate, Kate Beckinsale. Kate before Beckinsale. She, before she went to Hollywood and uh, like fixed her teeth and spray tanned herself. She's, she's probably this, quite like, young. She's like, I think probably 19. And she's just this like beautiful English rose. She's like perfect in this. Um, I need to Brian this. Blessed. So good with this like giant laugh. Um, Michael <laughs> Keaton doing it. Like the, the extreme Jim Carrey as puck performance that you were looking for. Oh, that's your that's man. What, right that's your that's what Michael Keaton doing. He would have been, been the perfect puck. You're right. You're up. Keaton, that's, yeah. that's puck. Yeah. Keaton's yeah. doing this like dogberry thing that's just nuts. And um, it's great. And Keanu is just like so bad. He's good because the, the villain in Much Ado, uh, Don John the Bastard, is... Um, <laughs> the Bastard. Yeah, he calls himself a plain dealing villain, and like he just has no real nuanced motivation. He's Iago without like any monologues to the audience, and so he just like <laughs> starts shit, and you're not inside his head at all. And so like it's okay that Keanu is only just kind of there to look good in leather pants. It's fine, it really is. Um, anyway. <laughs> So I have not seen this. I'm definitely going to watch it ASAP. What are your thoughts in comparison to the Joss Whedon version? Oh, I like it so much better. I love Joss. I'm a huge Joss fan. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't really love that much to do that much because um, I like the spirit of it because, you know, they filmed it at his house and it's like his repertoire of actors and stuff like that. So I like that sort of like let's put on a show sort of thing. But I don't think it really gets it the way that Brenna gets just gets Shakespeare better than most but uh, the real star brenna is great like freaking great denzel freaking great but it, the real star is emma thompson who just like it, beatrice is an all-time incredible shakespeare character and she just chews it up she's so like witty and sparkling and fantastic and it starts with like a communal bathing scene so like please if you think Midsummer Night's <laughs> dream is sexy and porny yeah. please watch brenna's much do because that's where You've that's where the this. real that that like, I, I, I want to like pull quote that and tweet that. <laughs> you thought if you summer was sporty. Wait till you get a hold. Oh my god, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, uh, I believe it's on Amazon Prime. Oh, perfect. Okay, great. Yeah. I will. I'm going to check that out. So um, let's talk a little Baz Romeo and Juliet since it was yeah. kind of on all near the top of all of our lists. Um, you being more of a sort of Shakespeare person, do you mm-hmm. feel like it's doing justice to it by kind ah, of putting its absolutely. new spin on it uh the the street spin. the street spin if you will <laughs> urban, in, <laughs> urban interpretation yeah sure yeah um yeah i'm like 
Okay, so, so sort of like Heath in um, Ten Things I Hate About You. Ten Things. It's hard to divorce the power of Romeo plus <laughs> Juliet, which is what I always call it. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> from uh, like Leo and Claire Danes, and like what they were doing at the time, and what right. they meant to teens at the time, and stuff like that. So it's really like, and I I rewatched it very recently, Same. and. Um, they're like the the moment where they meet each other. That scene in the fish tank the aquarium, is yes. like yeah. one of the best things I've ever seen on film. You yeah. know what I mean? And so they just like they sell this like teen romance that uh, like uh, and this I really like the Zeffirelli Romeo and Juliet as well. Mm-hmm. I I'm a huge fan of it. But like and that one works too because those are also very young actors. But oftentimes you either like don't cast actors who are young enough or you cast actors who are young enough to play Romeo and Juliet, but you're just annoyed because they're like dumb teens and and you're like why are you endangering yourself in this <laughs> manner? I don't understand. Yeah, fair. Um but Leo and Claire are just like you you're like you're in it, you're with them. I love the high camp of what Baz is doing. I'm like I'm a huge strictly ballroom fan, so like I'm really into like you know earlier Baz when he like you know everything after Moulin Rouge is no yeah, thank you Baz. Um <laughs> but like know, you know the, so the, but the like but the rough and tumble like this is still sort of scrappy in the manner of Strictly Ballroom, very campy, which I really yeah. like. Um, and I had the box set that was Strictly Ballroom, Same. Romeo and Juliet, <laughs> Moulin Rouge, the Red Curtain Trilogy yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, box set. I think I'm much might... later, though, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I've got it. And, um, yeah, of course. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, and I just, I think that uh, Harold Perrineau's Mercutio. Uh, is just electric in a way that, like, Mercutio is not a character that always lands very well. Leguizamo is fun and, mm-hmm. like, over the top. And, uh, like, Marilyn Margulies also doing great work. Uh, so, Jesse I Bradford know. fucking up everyone's yes, lives. Of, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> failing us all. Pete Postlethwaite. Like, yeah, come on. So, so you know. It's, it's one of those films that, and I... I Kenny and I are both big fans of, of Moulin Rouge. Um, and I, I vacillate. Every time I watch Romeo and Juliet, I think it's his best film. And then every time I watch Moulin Rouge, I think that's his best film. Well, I think that's yeah. the best film. <laughs> but I think that <laughs> Romeo and Juliet is just to sort of uh, to piggyback on your point, Joanna, it really is sort of you are seeing someone um, really come into their own. You're seeing a filmmaker that's really starting to understand the power of what he wants to do and the type of films he wants to make and the energy he wants to convey uh, and the visual component. Like it's, it's just, it's just the best. It's one of those things where it's a powerhouse of a movie, also a, a notoriously terrible movie to make. Everyone was getting food poisoning and that aquarium shattered once. So they had to <laughs> the whole thing. It's just a nightmare. But, um, but it's one of those films where you're just seeing the birth of Leo and Claire and Baz. And it's just, it's a really amazing thing. And on top of all of that, it made Shakespeare really cool. Oh, and God, he is cool. Yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I remember, so this came, you know, I was in high school when this came out. We were reading Romeo and Juliet, I think senior year. Yeah. And I remember that like, uh, this really like popular, not very interested in Shakespeare girl in my class got like really passionate during the discussion. Cause she's like, this is where Leo puts on the blue shirt. And like, Don't put on the blue shirt. Cause like, you know, he dies in the blue shirt and you're just like, and I was like, all right, Steph Bull, go off. She had very strong feelings about it. And I mean, I remember like, 
probably if I saw it now, I'd be like, for the first time now, I'd be like, oh, okay. But I just thought it was so clever that they like put the names of the weapons and the guns. It's like, oh, it's a rapier gun. I get it. Like, you know, sort of thing. Um, it's also yeah, just like brilliant. The, the, the moment to me of Leo sort of pouting with Radiohead playing and Sycamore Grove. Yeah. You're just like, you're not going to do any better than that. No. Like, it's just, it's just I, the best. That movie and Moulin Rouge, I, I f- always have felt like are the only two movies I can think of mm-hmm. where the director used everything the medium has to offer yeah. and put it, synergized it perfectly. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I really, I, th- I think they're both like brilliant, brilliant movies. I don't know if they're my favorite favorite movies but they're you yeah, know Will and is top five and, and Romeo mm-hmm. and Juliet's at least top 20 yeah it's know. it's it's really something special um, so we do a, a rating system on this uh, on this podcast Joanna where we rate the film uh, if we saw it in 1999 we'd rate it from then we rate it mm-hmm. before this podcast and then we rate it after from 0 to 99 0 being the lowest 99 being the highest oh okay um, so I'll go first just uh, to start the conversation. But basically, I saw this in 95. Like I said, I, I, I thought it was a sweet... 99. I thought it was a sweet movie, but it didn't blow me away. So I probably would have given it a 65 then. Mm. Um, before this podcast, uh, I really, really liked it. I gave it a 77. But after it, I think I'm at an 83. I, uh, I, I really loved this movie. I was very, very pleasantly surprised. I did not really know what I was walking into. And I'm, I'm, it's turned out to be one of my favorite films we've done this far. I knew I was higher than you. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, I have. I, uh, you didn't see it in '99. I did never you? saw it before. Um, I said uh, this is a much sweeter, more sentimental version of Midsummer Night's Dream than I've ever seen. Particularly the redemption of Bottom and the playing of Pyramus Thisbe at the end, playing it straight at the end, which I just loved. It's I thought it was just a lovely movie. I gave it an eighty, which is quite high. Yeah. Um, I'm not going much higher. Because that's pretty that's high. That's pretty high. But I'm going to go 82. I'll be a point below you, Phil. I'll let you be the highest. <laughs> but so, 82, no I, th- I really I really loved it. I truly... Uh, yeah. we, we don't go that... We don't go into the 80s very often, Jenna. So we're... Um, okay. We, we really like this. Thank you for uh, for picking it. Oh, what did well, you think you. in 99, Joanna? Uh, like a 70. Okay. Something like that, I think. And then... Like before, you mean before? Yeah, before we did this podcast. Just in case our, our conversation changed. Versus, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say it probably shifted from like an eighty to an eighty-two, something mm-hmm. like that. Trying to judge by your like, I you know, talking talking about things with people is always more fun. I'm, I'm <laughs> glad we shared sure. that hot. Uh, like now, at least two more people know about the hot mirror ball. Whoever <laughs> else listens to this one, yeah, yeah, at it. least it's a very yeah. important thing to me. Um, can I cheat and cram oh, like three more points in here? Please, yeah. absolutely. Oh, so sorry. Cheap. Okay. Really quickly. Number one, I think the Edwardian setting is really cool because uh, in the like Edwardian area, maybe not in Italy, but certainly in England, um, they were obsessed with fairies. So I think it's like very interesting that they decided to do this Edwardian sort of update to it. Yeah. Um, number do I remember all three points? Maybe it's just two points. Oh, oh, number two. I don't think I mentioned Roger Reese. I'm not sure I did. But anyway, I love Roger Reese in this. He's and great. Um, he's great generally uh, in everything. Uh, you know, great if you've ever seen him on stage. And when you were talking about people who have difficulty with the language and people who don't, yes. like Roger Reese is on like the way yes. can do this in his sleep sort of end of the spectrum. So, yeah, the way um, he speaks this dialogue, it's, it's just... 
second nature to him. I, it, yeah. it, it doesn't, it doesn't even, it actually doesn't even feel like, cause I mean, obviously Shakespearean dialogue is not the way people speak. So it's the fact that he makes it seem so effortless is amazing. Well, like even like Callista, who I quite like in this, like she's mm-hmm. speaking in the pentameter in a way that you're just sort of like, da, 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 you know, and that's like not how Roger Reese is doing it. No. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is that I cheated uh, on our top five list and I wanted to throw in two TV recommendations for people. Please. They haven't seen it and they like Shakespeare. Slings and Arrows, which is a Canadian uh, TV series. It only has three seasons and it's mm-hmm. about a small like uh, theater troupe doing Shakespeare plays and each season revolves around a different play and it's super good very very good and then the uh B- i think it was bbc maybe itv some british uh, channel did a series of shakespeare adaptations called shakespeare retold and i think that both the r and the e are um capitalized and they are modern adaptations so they did a taming of the shrew they did a macbeth a macbeth has james mcavoy and keely hawes i believe in it and he's like a yeah, like a chef, sort of like Scotland PA. Um, hmm. The Tame of the Shrew has, uh, I want to say Shirley Henderson and Rufus Sewell in it. And they're hilarious because he's like nine feet tall and she's two feet tall and it's great. <laughs> um, and and then the Much Ado is, you can you can skip the Much Ado in the Midsummer, but the, the Tame of the Shrew and, and the Macbeth are fantastic. So those are TV recommendations that I would give to people. Awesome. Um, well, uh, next week. Well, I, I, I just wanted to get. I want to ask one no. more question. Yes, please, Joanna. Before we go to next week, um, what's going to win Best Picture? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I? <laughs> it's a do very you know good I, question. So we do this thing every year. So I, I, I co-host a podcast called Little Gold Men, where we talk about. Um, Everyone should be listening to this podcast. It's if the they're not, it's the best. Um and. Um, my favorite episode that we do every year is like right after the Oscars. We try to predict the following year's Oscars, and uh-huh. then I the love next that year, episode. Yeah. Yeah, I remember where I was when I listened to it this year. <laughs> <laughs> we listen back at how like the stupid predictions we make. So this year, I decided to just go like full wild card because yeah. like I it's too embarrassing to earnestly try to guess. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna nominate so I went, cats I went ten with, times. Uh, I went with Ryan Johnson's uh, Knives Out, which, like, obviously is not sure. going to win Best Picture. Um, I'm actually hoping I'm, I'm – now I'm hoping for – and I think I picked it, actually, because Richard picked my real one, which was Little Women. Uh, so I'm kind of – I'm hoping for Little Women. I, you know, I had a discussion with a, with a friend of mine, a, a film director, on the weekend about what we thought was going to win, just, you know, in, in a, you know, a vacuum. Uh, and it, it – it's hard not to think that once upon a time in Hollywood and the Irishman, you know, just with the, the pedigree that they come from. But my, my heart is with, I hope little women does it as well. I mean, I, I would much rather see, uh, Greta and that phenomenal cast. I was surprised to see that gold derby has the Irishman atop all their lists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, all three plus hours of it. I find that. I just think that like, I think that Annette, like if it were released in theaters, maybe, but it's going to be yeah, like, know. you know, I know Roma last year, but like, yeah, it'll be it's, a, it's a Netflix joint a and B like, I just like yeah. <laughs> what we keep saying on little gold men is like, we really need to wait until we see the full extent of the de-aging CGI. Yeah. Yes. Cause that is a make or break for that film. And if it is uh, <laughs> anywhere up, like on the, on the rim of the uncanny Valley, like forget it. I, right? I'll <laughs> tell you though, I think that, that, the uh, de-aging of Will Smith and Gemini looks great. Yes. 
So the technology's there. They have it. <laughs> they have the technology. Yeah. But so I was very surprised to see the Irishman at the top of all the all, all the lists. And, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is pretty much two on all those lists. I just uh, think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's about Hollywood, and this town loves itself. Well, sure do. I mean, the artist one. But um, <laughs> seriously, but, shape uh, of water. And I, shape of water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, here's what I'm really waiting for. I'm waiting for what the audience loses their mind over at Toronto, right? Because that's what's won the last two years, Shape of Water and Green Book. And like last year, we were like when Green Book was, you know, I think got the audience award out of out of Toronto or whatever. um, I think we were like, okay, yeah, but that's not really (laughs) it's just like, (laughs) you know, it could. I think that if I was to guess coming out of I mean. I am from Toronto for what that's worth. Not that that means that I'm going to have some sort of... You know how I knew you were? Uh-oh. I just found out a minute ago, and you know how, how I found out? You said on the weekend, right? <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> on the and I was like, oh, is this person Canadian? <laughs> <laughs> is this person Canadian? No, well, if you were in the studio, you'd see that his head flops up again. Have I? Get yeah, it. I look like Terrence <laughs> and Philip. Have I been talking to yeah. a Canuck this um, whole time? No. But... Uh, Welcome to the neighborhood. Is that what it is? Or a wonderful... What's, what is the, the Tom Hanks oh, thing? Oh, it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day in the day. neighborhood. Day in the yeah. neighborhood. Yeah. That, to me, just screams audience. Tom Hanks, Mr. Rogers. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't Who know. Who knows? Who knows? I am excited to see what comes out of Toronto. It is... I re- And then, you know, the other thing about Green Book, I, I think it was your podcast. I assume it was your podcast. You had the, the editor of, of... Or one of the... Like, the awards editor of Variety. Is that right? Or with Hollywood Reporter? Sometimes. <laughs> uh, Sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> Um, as you can tell, I'm a completist. Um, and, she, and she was Ben making, Foster's and Six Feet Under. Are you sure? I'm positive. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She was making the case right, right when like all the backlash was hitting so hard about Green Book that Green Book was the favorite. Yep. And I remember listening to that and just yelling at my car. This <laughs> is <laughs> you don't know anything. Yeah. So I'm, no, it was it was Krista. It was Krista. I'm pretty sure. And like that's yeah, exactly uh, Krista Smith, who's now at Netflix. And uh, like I I was like, what is Krista though? <laughs> I, well, I, like, I, 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 I thought this person, Krista. I thought she had she yeah. she, she was clearly on something, but she was 100 percent right. Yep. And that's yep. whose recommendation I'm going to be taking this year when I'm placing my bets. Um, sometime <laughs> in the, sometime in the early spring. Uh, well, uh, I know that you have a hard out, so I want to just quickly right. next week. It's a big one, guys. It's 99. It's 100. It's a two-parter. Big guest. Uh, we've got Tignataro coming on. Doesn't get bigger than that in the podcast space, guys. <laughs> We're very, very excited. Uh, she's coming on for Man on the Moon. We got mm-hmm. her to come on and talk about Andy Kaufman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and perhaps, you know, her inspirations uh, by him, being inspired by him. Um you know, as as her show denotes, doesn't under, know, under a rock with Tignataro doesn't know a ton about pop culture um, in in the best possible way. Um, so we're, I mean, I'm really excited. We we have not recorded this episode yet. If you haven't uh, deduced that, but I'm not only excited, I'm humbled. <laughs> That's how I truly feel. I feel humbled that Tignataro is willing to come on our podcast. Uh, we'll have more to say in the top of the next episode, um, but uh, we did it. We, <laughs> we made ninety nine slash one hundred of these, and we got more importantly, we got a, a, like a like a 
like a huge celebrity to do it. <laughs> so, Talk about a big movie, a movie that was sort big of movie. It's, oh yeah, it's a big movie too. It's a big movie, and it's and it's like you know, it's a reevaluated movie. It's a movie that I don't really think got necessarily a fair crack in '99 from you, from. The sixty-seven percent it has on Rotten Tomatoes. That's crazy. Sixty-seven percent, and from Phil. Yes. So, no, I mean, I, I, I don't know that that's entirely fair. I, I didn't hate it at the time, um, but I, I, I didn't think it was all that special. Um, I think that people have, myself included, come around on this movie more. But Man on the Moon arguably had one of the biggest movie stars in the world at the time in the movie, um, and didn't break even. You know, it, it, it had a, a, you know, a decent box office, but. You know, didn't make its money back, and and it's a movie that people kind of—it's a fulcrum point in Jim Carrey's career for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. It's uh, it's an interesting uh, thing. I have had a different experience with this movie than you. Okay, I I thought this was a bit of a seminal movie for me. Um, I, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that yeah. on, on the episode, but I think that there's there's something to be said for your affinity—not you, but the your in general—for Andy Kaufman and what he did, and your understanding of him because i think that i think that there's a concern or at least a perhaps a lot of the reviews kind of stemmed into this idea that the audience didn't know how groundbreaking he was as a comedian and i'm not sure that the movie does the best job of crystallizing that yeah whatever we'll talk about it next week <laughs> <laughs> Next week, Tignataro. Tignataro, Man on the Moon. Moon. Two hours is not enough. Um, I'm really upset that you have to leave. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. Of course. And please, uh, I'll I'll reach out and hopefully we can find uh, either another film or 80 Hours of the Sopranos to talk about. Yep. Yes, or like an entire TV series. Yeah, exactly. Um, From the 90s. Thank you so much for for coming on. You're on Twitter. What is your handle, Joanna? At Jerothis. And uh, you have. the Succession podcast on Still Watching, oh, and we didn't get to talk about Succession. We didn't get to talk about Succession, but who's you know, your favorite character this year? What? Who's, who's your favorite, favorite character this year on Succession this season? It's Tom. It's always Tom. <laughs> it's always Tom owns yeah. your heart. I mean, it's Tom. I've never Tom. gotten. I've never gotten Matthew McFadden until <laughs> Succession. I'm like Mr. Darcy, more like Mr. Borsy. Like I'm not <laughs> interested, and then. So good as Tom. He's so good it's as amazing. Tom. I, I mean, I don't know. It's I, a seven-way tie for me. It's such a good show, and everyone <laughs> is so great on it. And your podcast is fantastic. Everyone who's watching Succession should be listening to it, as well as Little Goldman. So thank you so much for uh, for being on, Joanna. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Bye. Bye. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.